Toronto will start with the puck, but they give it away. Here's Kachuk trying to work in front of the goal. A shot scores! Didn't take long. A giveaway by Mitch Marner. And it is Josh Norris who scores in overtime just seconds into the extra time. And the Maple Leafs will fall 4-3. First pitch from Cole. A swing and a fly ball to left. Hit fairly well. Tay Oscar back. He's got room. And he makes the catch. And the Blue Jays will beat the Braves for the second night in a row. A couple of home runs for Hernandez. An outstanding pitching tonight for the Blue Jays as they get to three games over 500 for the first time this season. Well, I was following along on Twitter last night, which is always the safe play. And there were two camps, Ziggy, on Freddie Anderson. There you mean we it's split? <laughs> Shocking. I mean, I don't I didn't keep up with Twitter last night. I stayed off for the most part, which is usually the case, but I can imagine that there was a lot of people that didn't like his game. There were people who didn't like his game or were uneasy about his game, but reminded us that he hadn't played since March 19th, the span of almost eight full weeks. And it's going to take him some time to get back into the groove. The problem is, is that there's no time to get back into the groove. And then there was the crowd. And some of the people who I follow have been consistent, who who feel like the Maple Leafs, should have or already have moved past Freddie Anderson. And they were saying, look, this dude is swimming in his crease and this is Jack Campbell's net and the Leafs are going to go as far as Jack Campbell takes them in the playoffs. What I know from watching last night's game is this. Nothing really changed. Jack Campbell is starting game one. Jack Campbell needs to be good because the Maple Leafs don't want a whole lot of that from last night if they have to turn to Freddie Anderson. They're going to need him to be better, Ziggy, if he has to play for one reason or another. Well, I didn't mind what he did last night. That's what I expected. It's what we talked about yesterday. It was going to be a guy that hasn't played a lot, and you can say he went down to the minors and was supposed to do a conditioning stint. I get that. That's more about routine just getting his feet underneath him, getting back in net, making sure the injury's okay. And then you come back in net like you do, like you did yesterday. I'm okay with, I, I don't know which goal I didn't like yesterday. There wasn't any that was glaring to me saying, well, there you go. Did he look behind him at times? Yep. It's expected. Was he losing rebounds? Yep. That's going to happen. He was swimming a but, bit in the crease. Yeah, I just, but I, I'm, I, I don't know. Like, did, did, were, his, were people expecting him to have some dominant performance where nothing went in, the game went smoothly, he looked comfortable. Like, I thought his confidence was good, and I thought he did look, for the most part, oh, okay in net. Nothing really, nothing really surprised me about his game yesterday. That's exactly. You know what I what I wanted of a, a goaltender. 
my starting goaltender that's been out for two months. I don't I, I don't know what people wanted out of Freddie. And I don't know which goal, well, like which goals didn't they like the first one screen. There was nothing wrong with the first one. Yeah. Off, okay. Uh, Connor Brown, Matthews in front of the net mix up. I don't, I don't know what you expected of the Connor Brown one. The second one, third one off the backboards. I don't know. You, you want him to stop a puck going off the boards. That's going in against 99% of 99% of the time that puck's going to go in. If a player gets that on net um, overtime, two on one bad giveaway, Riley, I, I didn't think did a great job at the two on one. You're supposed to take away the pass, leave the goaltender, the shot, and then take time and space away from the puck carrier. Didn't do it. It was more Marner than, than, than Riley there, but that was another one. I don't know which goals you didn't like out of Freddie. And I said, and barring five or more goals where it was just a slaughter, I'm okay with what Freddie, that's what I expected out of Freddie yesterday. Nothing surprised me. It wasn't like he was going to stand on his head and have a shutout. And I was going to say, well, there you go. He's going to start game one. Like I never thought that was going to be the case regardless of what he did. No. It, and and that's the difference is this. The difference is the circumstance. If this was in the middle of the season and he came back and had a performance like that, we'd say, okay, it's first game back. And you're being totally fair and real about it. It was his first game back. What's a reasonable expectation? The point is, is that if we presume, and maybe we shouldn't because we could be wrong, but if we presume that Jack Campbell is playing in Winnipeg tomorrow night, that is Frederick Anderson's last inconsequential game action this season. Like, he is going to have to be on point, Ziggy. And it's not fair. I'm not saying that it's fair to him. I'm not saying that it's even a realistic expectation. What I'm saying is, though, is that we're at a point here now where unless he plays tomorrow night, they've run out of laneway to just sort of get this guy back in his groove. And it's going to be about practicing and, yeah. and, and getting pucks in practice. And then if he's called upon to come into a playoff game or to start a playoff game, he's going to have to be nails. I, I don't care yeah. so much about preconceived notions or anything. I don't care about an individual's opinion. I don't care about mine. The bottom line is this. This team, somehow, some way, four different times, and let's start with the first series before we jump to two, three, and four, somehow, some way has to win four games before the Montreal Canadiens do. And if Frederick yeah. Anderson's going to be involved in that, there's there's no no time to get back on track. You just you got to go out there and you got to perform. No questions asked. Yeah, I and I I didn't like <laughs> something about the game. I didn't like the start of. I didn't like how much action he had to start the game. I thought that I was hoping he was going to feel a lot of pucks. They were going to get hemmed in their, their end a little bit off the bat. And that wasn't the case. Like he didn't see a lot of big high danger chances in the first period. And I've seen that work against goaltenders more often than not, especially from backups that don't play. Like when a backup doesn't play and they don't get a lot of, they don't see the puck a lot early on. I find that they struggle. And when you get a guy coming off two months of not playing, I that was the one thing right away. I was just like, uh-oh. Most people are watching that game. Oh, looks comfortable. You know, things are going well. No, it's it's the opposite. You want your guy that he, if he hasn't been playing a lot or if it's your backup, you want them facing a lot of shots. It was kind of, 
very slow start to the game. I just, I, the Leafs didn't have much energy yesterday. They weren't executing. It's not the dominant performance you want out of your team going in the playoffs. And I know these are tough games. It's a pandemic year. You're, you go into Ottawa, you have Winnipeg now. They're nothing games. I understand the dynamic from the Leafs, you know, point of view. The guys just, they want to get the playoffs started at this point. And those are tough games to play in. Ottawa, Ottawa's been one of the best teams in this in the North the last couple months. Look at their record. They've been, it's a good team. DJ Smith, I, I, you have to give him credit. I, a lot of issues with them this year. They're supposed to have good goaltending and that, that was a, you know, I, I feel like a spot where they really struggled at. That was a position they struggled at this year and he's done excellent things. They got a young group of kids that work hard or tough to play against. They go out there, they're hungry. You mix in some good veterans next year and figure out what's happening in net. I'm telling you, it's you're going to see, if you want to talk about a team that's going to turn around where they're at from, from one year to the next, I'd put Ottawa right up there with anybody else from what you saw to them this year to what you see them next year. And I just think the Leafs yesterday, that was that was the difference for me. And I, I'm not blaming Freddie for this game. I'm not going to blame him for any of those goals. Was he? Did he look like his normal self? No. But I mean, what do you what do you want out of the guy? It's two months. Two months. When I used to sit out two days in a row, I used to feel it. I got scratched one time for two weeks. You get back in a game, it's like you never played before. So, yeah, I think you got to let Freddie breathe a little bit. You got him in a game. I don't think he's playing in the next one. I just he's going to come in the playoffs next. Next time we see him, he's going to be in the playoffs, and we better. Hope that he finds his game. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I know it's brutal. There's no but rest like, for the weary, yeah, man. Here, well, here, let me tell you this. Well, I'll, 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 I'll put this to you. Like, what happens if Campbell comes in and things don't go right for a game or two? Are you, are you saying you're not comfortable? Like, the question should be: Are you not comfortable with Freddie going in in a game three or a game four if Campbell doesn't come out and perform, or they lose? Like, say they just come out and lose a game or two. Maybe Campbell doesn't even play bad. Like, are you okay with Freddie coming in now? Or is, are, are people just moving on from him? Like, I don't know where everyone's at. I'm okay with him coming in. I think if he gets put in a, in a spot where it's game two or game three, or he starts the second round, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with seeing him in net come the playoff time. Well, if he's in, um, we're all on his side. We're rooting for this team. We want them to do well. If I'm to use a, figurative phrase I, I might strap on a diaper yeah I, I can't I can't sit there and say that I'm going to be 100% confidence Ziggy. now yeah. I might be one big save early in his performance away from starting to feel better about it because a guy can get into a groove pretty quickly I mean obviously he's he's been rehabbing an injury but he's 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 relatively well rested I mean you know, all of the talk over the last few years about how much he played and was he worn down come playoff time, that's all out the window now. I mean, if he finds his game, he can be dominant. We've seen it here in Toronto, particularly in the early parts of his five years here. What I think we're all hoping is that when this series with the Habs get on, gets underway next week and presumably Jack Campbell's in goal, Campbell gets off to a good start, 
This team wins game one, and that sets the tone for the rest of the series. It, it could get complicated if they lose game one. I feel like an early an early in the series loss, especially if it's game one. I mean, if you game go, one changes everything. If you go, everything. yeah. If you go back to Montreal with a split and you lost Game Two, I think that'll feel a little different. But if you're staring down the barrel of having to win Game Two at home in an empty arena because you coughed up Game One, I think panic mode is going to set in here a little early, right? A, the expectations around this team, and B, and I'm just going to state this. Right here, right now, I do not have the emotional capacity to lose to the Montreal Canadiens. I don't have, I don't have it in me. I can't. I've got too many friends who love that team, and these are friends I've had since I was in kindergarten. I can't. I cannot be getting texts from people who love the Montreal Canadiens bragging that they've got my whole the, family. It's my whole family in is, is ham, have sufferable. Anytime, yeah, pre-pandemic, like all the family gatherings I've had, it's all Canadians. Ugh. And it's just like, I know. I, Do they wear like, their jerseys at Thanksgiving dinner? Uh, th- jerseys? You walk into their house. Oh, it's no. the scarves on the wall. You know the scarves? Yes. Anybody that has one of the scarves pinned up against the wall or a flag, Yeah. I'm sorry, but that is like, if it's the, if it's the Habs, it's just like, I can't right now. And it's, it's a different breed of fans that canadians fans they are they are different <laughs> they love it they will that's so bu- they don't they don't see any other team like they can't do anything wrong i'm telling you it's a different fan base but i have the i you're the same i'm the same as you uh, at least they don't message me i don't get it that bad it was just any family function it was just awful <laughs> just i don't know what yeah. to say about it like just win game one yeah, and I, why am I worrying about this now? We're like a week away, but now I've got myself worked up into, into a lather. It's six fifteen in the morning, six or seven days before this playoff series starts, and I'm talking myself into panicking about Game One because I don't want to be hearing it from people. But yeah, when you when, when this team has expectation on its shoulders, it's got its historic rival in Round One. It's been a weird year with the pandemic and the empty arenas. And all of that. And circling back to tomorrow night's game, Ziggy, and presuming it's Jack Campbell. I mean, this is a long way down the road. Here I am panicking about game one of the first round already in a, in a series that, that my team, that I hope wins, is heavily favored. If they win tomorrow night in Winnipeg, in any fashion, regulation time or overtime, so I not any fashion shootout, but if they win in regulation time or in overtime tomorrow, they will push a point uh, ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins and they will climb in the final four mm-hmm. seating. If, if you worry about something like that, you got to win two rounds just to get there. I understand it, but why not finish as, as high as you can? And Nick Foligno said it after the game last night. Like, we got one more game here to tee this thing up and to play the type of hockey we expect and want to be playing when the playoffs begin. So hopefully they're motivated to just go out there and perform and use that as the springboard into a few practices before this thing gets underway next week. Yeah, I was happy to see Felino out there. I, I told you when he got hurt, it, it was in Montreal, if I remember. And 
I was happy just to see him on the ice because I didn't like the injury. Like, I think this is something more serious and they're just, it's a hush hush. I think it was a bad back oblique, something that wasn't good. And I can tell you, I was happy because he looked like he was skating. Okay. Um, you know, I played 17 over 17 minutes and that's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I just think that's going to be a big piece for the Leafs in the playoffs. That's he's going to be a difference maker. It's going to be a big goal, a big play. It's going to be a guy. If someone gets hurt, you can throw him with someone else. He's easy to play with on the ice. He's got the leadership. He's a veteran out there. Good on the bench. I just, if, if he would have came out last night and would have been, you know, we didn't see him moving the same way or you could see that he was, you know, nagging or nursing something, I'd be concerned, but he looked, he looked pretty good for the most part. And I, 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 I think if you're the least, that's a, that's a big one for me is, is making sure he was healthy to start the playoffs. Cause we, I didn't think we'd see him until game one. And the fact that he wanted to get out there, it's, um, it's good for the Leafs. Uh, Leafs and Jets tomorrow night to close out the regular season. Uh, some people on the text line are mad at me uh, because I was mm-hmm. one of Freddie's backers and now I'm against him after one game. I don't think I've said anything that pits me against Frederick Anderson. I'm rooting for him. I want him to do well. Yeah. I just understand that Jack Campbell's starting game one and that he's our best option right now. I don't, I don't think there's any... Any question about that? Gord Stellick will join us uh, in just a little bit, 635, and we'll get back into the Leafs chat. How about them Blue Jays? Three games over 500 Wowzers. for the first yeah. time this season. And Ziggy, let's mm-hmm. let's just run through the laundry list of things, and you can add to them if, if something yeah. comes to mind that I've left out. Rampant pitching injuries, 40%, two of the five starting rotation spots still unsettled. George Springer has been effectively unavailable. I know he had a two mm-hmm. home run game on the last home stand, but you know what I mean? He's, he's pretty much not played and 24 of 35 games after today, 25 of 36 games played on the road. This team is three games above 500. Boston has come back down to earth because they're actually playing a good team, Oakland, and they're losing to them. The Yankees, the Jays, the Rays, they're all in that mix this, this Blue Jays team is finding ways. Last night it was Teoscar Hernandez offensively and Hyunjin Ryu, their ace, looking like an ace. Yeah, all the Hernandez. I I mean, he started off not great this year. Don't Let's not forget, right? He, hit, he just hitting over 200 through his first seven and then goes down with COVID since he's been back hitting almost 350. Only seven strikeouts as well, which is big. And for me... And I don't know where you stand on this, but if if we see just anything like the Teoscar that we've seen since he had COVID and mm-hmm. came back, if you're the Blue Jays, do you try locking him up or do you need to see more of him before you do some kind of long-term deal? I, I I'd like to see a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the deal was at the start of the season. I don't know if he's changed something. I don't know who he's worked with. I don't know if it was a mental thing, but he looks like a different player from after COVID. And usually it's been the other way around, right? Athletes have been getting COVID and then have really struggled. So I think, um, I think Hernandez is, I think he's like, uh, he's in, he's hitting in the top four for me right now. I, I, he's in my top four, my top five. 
And I don't mind, I don't mind him. I don't mind him hitting fourth. I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't drop him further down in the lineup. Um, and he's been, he's been good. Um, I don't know. I, in, in real last night, it's good that they didn't waste the game, right? When you come out and your starting pitcher has a game like Hunjin Ryu did last night and he was dealing, he had Braves guessing. Like, that's what I love. There's been a couple of games against the Yankees early on in the season. It's like guys were swinging at pitches when they were gone already or swinging. It seemed like three seconds early. Like, I love when Ryu has it going and the 80 pitches, like there's a difference, right? Between a night where... It's one of those easy nights for for Ryu, or it can be hard. And usually the start dictates a lot. But when he's pitching like that, um, hitters are guessing. It's nice that the Jays don't waste those games. And if we track it, that's going to be another determining factor if they do if they are a playoff team. Like come come the trade deadline, if they're in the mix, it's because they don't waste these games from the starters. Because like you said, there's still question marks around the rotation. We don't know who's going to fill it out. Pearson, they gave him a shot. Uh, Alec Minot, we don't know if they're going to bring him up. I just, last night was a, was a great game for the team. Uh, Ryu comes in great. We get a big night out of uh, Teoscar. And that's just a positive. It's something you can build off of. And three games above 500. Would you have guessed that right now? Like you said, you just gave the list of all the issues they have. How good are they playing? Right. And so I'll take your Teoscar point and say that I don't think they have to do anything long-term with him now because they still control him for two years beyond this year. So he's making four-plus million dollars this year in his first year of arbitration eligibility, which is essentially his fourth full season as a big leaguer. And so they will control him, and he will have arbitration rights for 2022 and 2023. If he has a very good year this year, he was great great in the shortened season last year if he backs that up with another really nice year this year you settle with him next off season on a number that's probably in the high seven figures and then you can sit down at any point if you want to uh, into the 2022 season or the 2022 2023 off season and go long term with him if if at that point that's what you decide you want to do he's definitely a bopper and People will tell you it's it's the same now with Vladdy, but they've been saying this about about Teoscar for a few years now, and it, it's true. When he barrels up a baseball, it sounds different. And I'll tell you, that Luke Jackson last night learned very, very quickly that you do not throw a dead red fastball with no movement on it, 96 miles an hour, right down the heart of the plate. Teoscar turned that thing around and hit it 440 feet dead center the other way. And I thought another big play last night or another big moment because you're playing National League Baseball is Ryu gives up the solo home run to William Contreras, Atlanta's catcher. The Jays are down one nothing, And they were stifled on Tuesday night as well in the series opener early in the game offensively. They were stifled last night by Atlanta's starter Max Fried. Well, you get the leadoff runner on, Kevin Biggio, with a walk, I think, in the sixth. And then you got Danny Jansen, and Danny Jansen struck out. Hyunjin Ryu struck out, but Kevin Biggio stole second. So it was essentially like Ryu bunted him over. 
you got a runner on second now with two outs, and you've gone through the thin part of the bottom of your order. Marcus Semien, who's also on a heater, waits out for a hanging curveball and drills it down the left field line for a two-out RBI double to tie the game. So Teo, quite appropriately, is getting celebrated for the two home runs that he hit that separated the Jays from Atlanta last night. But the Jays got off the schneid because Marcus Semien had a terrific at-bat when the lineup turned over. And with two outs, runner in scoring position, he ties the game by waiting out a hanging curveball. That was also a huge, huge moment in the game. And also a shout-out to Tyler Chatwood. Who had Tyler Chatwood as one of the game's best relievers six weeks into the season? Tyler Chatwood. (laughs) This guy couldn't throw strikes for the Colorado Rockies or the Chicago Cubs as a starting pitcher. This guy would rear back, and if he hit water throwing a pebble into the ocean... It would have shocked people. And yet yeah, here he just, is, yeah. dominant. Yeah, just a, just a clean game. One starter, two relievers, that's it. Two guys out of the bullpen, that's what I love. I don't like seeing seven, eight guys out of the bullpen. I don't know what you think, what your magic number is. I want to keep guys fresh. I want to keep guys, if a game gets tight in one of these big divisional games, but when you see just starter, and two guys out of the bullpen. I don't know what you think of that, but for me, I love just clean ch- stat sheets like that. I don't like when I see 19 guys out of the bullpen and then we don't know who to use. I don't like looking day. at box scores with 22 names on them. Yes. How do you decipher that? Uh, we'll get into uh, the playoff matchups for each of the divisions. They're all set now in the NHL. Gord Stellick on Frederick Anderson's play. Encouraging, discouraging, neutral. I mean, it's got to be Jack Campbell's crease, right? For game one of the playoffs next week, the insufferability of Habs fans. Did I just make up a word? All of that with Gord Stellick and Kevin Barker for the full hour at seven 30, a little bit later. Doug and Branford says, I agreed. Jack should be the game two starter. Well, it should be the game one starter as well. But why is it a lock that Jack plays the Jets game? Is it not more important that Freddie gets the work in? Yeah. Um, The problem with that is that you have then Campbell two weeks off between starts. Getting close to that, yeah. Yeah, I'm more concerned... It's the fact that you're worried about whoever's going to start a net for game one. Like, if you think Freddie has a chance, if you're the Leafs, and you think, well, I'm not sure, yeah, you give Freddie the next game, and you say, okay, this is yours. If you look comfortable, you're in. The problem is, is that if that doesn't work out, and... I'm not saying that Freddie was terrible or he was in the wrong at all yesterday on any of those goals or I didn't like what I saw at him. But if we see him the same way as we did yesterday, are you comfortable if he does that again of him starting game one? I'm not comfortable. So I give Campbell the next game and then he gets the starting game one. That's where I'm at. From a 519 number, Freddie. Morning, guys. I'll put it this way. If Campbell doesn't start game one, we riot. See, I don't think we riot. 
we're not Vancouver. Yeah, we don't riot. We don't riot. We are well-behaved here. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants... Well, it's it's just... it's You have to chuckle. It's just, you know, it's... Remember talking during the season saying, well, I'd like to see Campbell in some more games and people like jumping all over us. Like, I... I don't know if you felt it. I I just well I, a lot of DMs, a lot of messages saying you guys are not you. I know it was more me and you just kind of <laughs> nodding, saying I don't know. What no, this guy's I mean thinking. at the time, at the time, Ziggy, it it was it was Frederick Anderson has earned his keep with this team, in my opinion. Yes. Jack Campbell, show me something. Eleven and zero was beautiful. You know when I really bought in to Jack is that he. He started to whiff a little bit for three or four games. Mm -hmm. But that whiff didn't last into eight or nine or ten games. He bounced right back. That That's when I started to gain more comfort with him. And then, of course, the Freddie Anderson situation just continued for whatever reason. The injury, the LTIR, the need for the cap space and all that. Whatever reasons, he just, he just sort of faded into the background for too long a period of time. Now we're right up against the playoffs. And Gord Stelic, uh, the co-host of Leafs Nation Pre and Post, is with us. Here on leadoff, Gord, jump in on this. I mean, let, let's start with last night, and then we'll get into the bigger picture stuff. Were you, were you comfortable? Were you good with the way Freddie played? Get, all things considered. Yeah, uh, I was. I, I, I like I compared this to is say you, when you get a hip replacement, then you go to Bridgepoint Rehab Hospital, right? I mean, that's the next step. I mean, Freddie's doing the NHL goaltender version of uh, 30 minutes with the Marlies, 60 minutes with the Marlies, and get a first full game in with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there's no goaltending controversy. He's not your number one starter in the playoffs for sure. That's been eliminated. So I was fine. He got through the game. Uh, you hope he gets more time to get better physically. You wish he had a few more games he could get under the belt, but under his belt. But the challenge will be if and when he may be needed. Uh, can he get that mental and physical part back and just jump into a playoff game and and play well, play like Freddie could normally did in midseason form most of the years before this year? And every team wants two guys in net that can play right. And say can't. Well, Campbell is going to start game one, but we always talk about you know through this whole process, what's Campbell's leash going to be like? Freddie's been out. He's been up and down this year. We haven't really seen his best Campbell all of a sudden comes in how are you feeling if Campbell stumbles at all or doesn't look comfortable in net I know it's still early playoffs are you know still a game left here in the regular season but did last night change anything for you in how you feel about Campbell being the number one yeah, no, Ziggy, like a, if, if say a week ago, Freddie had got, you know, got two or three quality starts and played really well, but that ship had already sailed in that regard. So, you know, I, I look at two things. One is uh, in, in Campbell, like short leash, you don't, you don't want to tell a guy he's got a short leaf. You, you, you leash. It just means you have a plan B, which, which is a luxury for the Maple Leafs. They really haven't had that in the past. And, you know, somewhat in fairness to Freddie, because, you know, it, it's the playoffs that the team has been lacking and he's been lacking generally. Like, you look at last year, okay? He plays a great game, game one, but they lose one nothing. and it's on a soft goal, right? You know what I mean? That's just the way that, that experience in the bubble that never got started properly went. I mean, you give up one goal, you should win most playoff games, but it kind of set a tone for it that the team 
didn't bail him out either. So, uh, but uh, but now Campbell is the Freddie of the last previous years, and unlike the last previous years, you've got you've got a good plan B, and and that and that's a big step up. That's what the Maple Leafs have done a real good job is getting a lot more quality depth with Gorge Stellick. Jack tomorrow night in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, I heard Ziggy's analysis is spot on, and I've said this to you before. I know Edmonton, Montreal, Winnipeg will also be missing, uh, will have a lot of days off. There's going to be more days off in the Scotia North Division compared to the other divisions because Vancouver, Calgary having to finish up the regular season. I, I don't like getting out of the flow. I mean, especially if you're the first-place team, I, I, I'd like to be a little bit more flow, a little bit more games, like, a, you know, not crammed together, but a, a little bit more than this. So, yeah, you got to get Jack Campbell a game because he's not going to have played a lot heading into the playoffs. What else did you see yesterday, Gord? Anything kind of stand out for you? I, I know it's talking to Scotty about just a no-energy game and didn't really seem like – the guys were in it. Is it, is that like, do these games mean anything for you? Are you like taking the Paul Maurice in Winnipeg stand where I know where my team is at? I'm confident come game one. Yeah. The latter Ziggy. I mean, it's uh, yeah, we're, it's playing out the string. You know, I, I, mm. I, I could, I couldn't voice a big promo for Friday night's game. It's more bring on the playoffs. Let's get this sucker mm-hmm. over with. Uh, I did, you know, I've liked the way John Tavares has played a lot. I'm like, glad he got another one. I've loved that he's playing as pro, as good a hockey as he's played with the Maple Leafs heading in the playoffs. You saw Nick Foligno being added to that line for a big chunk of the game. And, you know, that. and, and I like Nick Foligno uh, taking on, when I say taking on, but getting in Brady Kachuk's wheelhouse about, hey, you're crowding our goaltender. This is the kind of crap that it doesn't result in a five-minute major fight, but the kind of crap that there's a, uh, a tangible pushback that way. I mean, little things that way is kind of what I'm looking at. And, uh, uh, I, and, and those, those are kind of the things that stood out. Hey, Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley are minus three. Are we going to panic or anything? No, we got to mm-hmm. keep perspective, keep perspective that way. With Gord Stelic on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Daryl Sittler will join us on the program a little after the top of the eight o'clock hour, Gord. So we're obviously Looking forward to any chance to talk to Daryl is great. But, of course, he was the Leafs captain the last time that, uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong, if he'd been stripped of the sea. I wasn't alive then, so I, I might have my facts wrong. But I, I'm thinking he was the, the, the Leafs captain the last time they played the Habs in the playoffs in 1979. We know that the Habs swept that series, so we'll relive some of those memories with him. But take us back to your memories of that time because – Things were about to go screwy, right? Like Sittler would have his falling out with the organization in the not-too-distant future. Lanny McDonald was in the crosshairs at that point of Harold Ballard because of his friendship with Sittler. That was a weird time, which, of course, paved the way for the 1980s, which was generally a, a downtime for the franchise. Yeah, by the way, Daryl looks like he, he had a knee, he has a knee replacement. He still looks like a million bucks, Daryl. <laughs> but I, I, I was working uh, part-time with the Leafs back then. And, yeah, it's, it's uh, unfortunately that Harold's uh, patience ran out and he, he jettisoned Jim Gregory and Roger Nielsen and brought in Punch Imlach the second time around, which most of the animus was between Imlach and, say, guys like Lanny McDonald. So, you know, you bring up a good point, Scotty, and in Daryl reminiscing, I'll be anxious to hear what he has to say. But this probably was the last good feeling Leafs team then all of a sudden things changed over the summer and it was never quite the same whatever whatever that team could have been and could have realized it it all ended there that four game series 
they battled hard. Montreal won the Stanley Cup. Like it's, it wasn't a four-game embarrassing sweep. And I believe there was one game uh, the Leafs were down four nothing and came back and tied it. I believe. And uh, Mike Palmatier also got hurt in game number three. Paul Harrison had to play game number four, and uh, it ended in overtime. And uh, that's the game that uh, Tiger Williams is in the penalty box, and he comes out. He's so pissed. He would have ran down referee Bob Myers if he could have seen him right away, but he wasn't in his uh, vision. And then when he saw him, he makes a beeline for him, and he gets grabbed by, I think, Larry Robinson. A couple of Montreal players grab him, and guys like Daryl and that pull pull him back. And, you know, that that's how it all ended. It, 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 it was a better playoff series than a four-game sweep. And, and you really thought, wow, okay, this is the best team in the league by far, the Montreal Canadiens, and what's up for Daryl Sittler and the gang next year? And that was never to be. Well, we'll look forward to uh, hearing Daryl's recollections uh, at 8 o'clock. Thanks for this, Gord. You know we'll be talking to you a lot next week, gearing up for Game 1. It can't come soon enough. We're all looking forward to it, Leafs and Habs. Bring on the playoffs. You, you guys bet. have great weekends. Can't wait to get going. You bet. Gord Stellick with Nick Alberga, the co-host of Leafs Nation pre and post here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Blue Jays, a big win in Atlanta last night. Man, this has been a pretty good road trip for this team all things considered. It didn't start off so hot in Oakland, but they split. They did lose two out of three in Houston, but got an important win in the middle of that series. And now they're two up with a chance to sweep Atlanta this afternoon. Ross Stripling will get the ball. We're all over that this morning, all over the Leafs and Senators, looking ahead to the Leafs and Jets. Jack Campbell, we expect, don't know, but expect we'll play tomorrow night. The NFL schedule for 2021 is out. We'll look at some of the big matchups. And we'll play for you our buddy Ryan Leslie's exchange. He's on the Calgary beat for Sportsnet with head coach of the Calgary Flames, Daryl Sutter. Wait for this one. It's coming up next. Tip-Off 2021 presented by Tangerine begins Friday night on Sportsnet 1 and we're giving away WNBA orange hoodies. Text ORANGE to 59590 right now for your chance to win one of five hoodies. You can also enter on our Instagram at Sportsnet 590 or our website sportsnet.ca slash 590 where you can find full details of this contest. Hugh jumps in for the panel at the top of the hour. Kevin Barker and the chance to bark at Barker for the full half hour at 7.30, and the phone lines will be open. We'll take your texts as well. Questions for uh, Kevin's statements about this Blue Jays team that is now 19-16 and 16 after the win last night in Atlanta. Say, Ziggy, let's go west, eh, to Calgary, where our buddy, Sportsnet's Ryan Leslie, had this encounter with Flames head coach, Daryl Sutter yesterday. Daryl, you were brought in to try and get this team into the Stanley Cup playoffs. It didn't happen for a number of reasons. How deflating is this for you personally as a coach? Well, I was brought in to straighten out this team, first and foremost. So there's still a lot of work to do there. Is, uh, you know, when you look at your coaching uh, career and, you know, straightening out this team, trying to get them where they need to be, how deflating is this for you personally? It's not deflating at all play in a seven team league and you get behind the eight ball and you get anywhere from four to eight to 10 points out. It's really t tough to get in. You have to be realistic. 
I think that the uh, a lot of what the expectations of this team were were placed on this team because of the bubble and from people that really don't follow the team very well. So this team was going to have to fight to, to be a playoff team. They weren't a top three team in this division for sure. So the, it was going to be a fourth to fifth to sixth place team. And that's exactly what it's played out to be. So sorry, you thought this was this was a team destined to be a fourth, fifth or sixth place team. Is that what you're saying? Well, you're an expert at the game. Correct? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm just asking. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, I don't have any. Oh, yes, you are. So who are the I'm best? I'm just asking. Who do you think are the best three teams in the Canadian division? Oh, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm asking the the, the coach. So I'm just asking you, Daryl, is that what you thought for clarification that this team was predetermined to be at the bottom of the North Division? No, I would say if you're fighting for fourth place, you're not at the bottom of the division. And this is what this team did was fight for a playoff spot. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Wow. Okay, so I wasn't hired to get this team into the playoffs. I was hired to straighten out this team. The way we've played is not deflating. I was realistic. Expectations were placed on us due to our bubble performance last year, and they were expectations from people who don't follow the team very closely. This was never a top three team in this division. And then he called Ryan Leslie an expert. So I'm looking at this, Zig, and I'm saying to myself, okay, are you crapping all over your general manager without directly crapping all over your general manager. You've just said this guy did not build a top three team in the North division. This guy has built a mediocre average team. That's the first thing I thought of once I got past the holy well, crap of it. I, I, I don't want to go that far. I understand what you're saying. You're it's like, if you say one thing, you mean, if you're saying that it's, it's not a top three team, you're, you're obviously going to the general manager telling him this isn't a good team. Yes, I understand viewing those comments like that, but I think even as a general manager, there's only so much you 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 can do with your team from year to year. And what happened in Calgary this year, uh, Markstrom coming in, I thought he was played well for the most part, but it comes down to Goudreau and Monahan for me. They're they're like those are the best two players. And then all the stuff that happened with Kachuk and the Muzzin flipping the puck going off the ice. I think that situation caused a lot of problems with the Flames. But I could keep going on for an hour about the Flames and what the season was. But I'll just say that. That it it wasn't the season that they wanted. And I don't know you can put that on the GM. So I don't want to I don't want to say that that Daryl's unhappy with what he got from the GM. When you come in through, you know, in the middle of the season. It doesn't always run smoothly. I know we've seen situations where guys come in and you win cups or you turn a team around. More often than not, if you look at it, it usually doesn't turn out well. You might see a good 10, 15 games that honeymoon period, but then all the blemishes really come out of your organization. And I think that happened with the Canucks or uh, with the with the Flames part of me, where you really saw what was wrong with them. Um, so I don't want to put it that say he didn't like the GM and didn't like what was going on with the construction. Uh, the other, the other part, I mean, I don't, I, he doesn't like, he, he, coaches don't like when you ask the same question, like, 
I got to give Ryan credit for, for going in there and really trying to dig out and find out what his thoughts were, right? I'm not saying Daryl skirted any of the questions, but he wanted more definitive answers. And as soon as he didn't get them, he kind of doubled down with the questions saying, you know, like, well, what was it? Oh, this is not a playoff team. Then what? And I know from, you know, Daryl did obviously was uncomfortable with it and didn't like it. I don't know what you thought of. I I mean, I've never, I've never asked questions before. So you, you've talked to lots of players and coaches and general managers. Like I've never, I know on this show, we get to, I get to ask questions but it's not the same yeah. as after a game or when you lose a, have a losing season. Yeah, he pushed him because he he wanted him to to answer the questions directly. I, I I mean I think in some way this is calling out Brad Trailing Trey Living the general manager because the team clearly isn't good enough to compete at the top of the North Division. Number one and number two, Daryl Sutter doesn't like the mix, right? He doesn't like the mix, and I think the Calgary Flames. Maybe there will be a playoff flameout or something that that changes our perspective on this. But as we sit here right now, it is hard to imagine that there will be a more interesting offseason to watch than the one that is going to go down in Calgary. Whether Goodrow is there at the start of training camp doesn't sound like it'll. That's the case. Eric France has been our, on our program and and says Goodrow's all all but gone. What are they going to do with Sean Monahan and and others? So it's. It's going to be a fascinating watch. All we know is that Hugh is ready to jump in for the panel. Back to the Leafs. Who starts in goal tomorrow night? It should be Jack. The Blue Jays are playing good baseball despite a lot of adversity. The NFL schedule is out, and we just want to thank you for listening. You're welcome. You're Drinking celery again? What do you got there? It's it's really actually yeah, it is actually a celery juice. It's really green. Um, no, yeah, you're you're right. Hundred percent celery juice, juiced, organic. Oh, from 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 yeah. Buddha from from uh, I get my juice from Buddha Juice or Live. There are my two spots. Whatever whatever's available at the store. <laughs> but no, I'm looking around my place because I I, I got I got Cardinals. Love the Cardinals. Love no, the Cardinals. I, Solid team. And they have I, been for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting the book. You know what? Did you know Blue Jays hang out in like packs? Did you know that? I like believe they hang. I well, believe I believe the- there were 26 of them in Atlanta last night, Ziggy. Uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that is the collective noun for Blue Jays. So, a pack of Blue Jays, yes. So I put up a, a big bird feeder in my backyard. On I got bought one of those poles, one of the extensions. It's like a four-column anti-squirrel bird feeder, and I've got tons of Cardinals and Blue Jays now, so... Mission accomplished. How high up does this thing <laughs> go? Does it obstruct the sun into Doris's yard? It doesn't. Doris hasn't complained yet, but I will say this bird feeder was supposed to be an anti-squirrel feeder because there's problems with the squirrels, right? They like the bird seed. They get up there and they 
nip away. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you before we get into the important topics that uh, there is one squirrel that has figured out how to get the seeds out of the feeder. He climbs up the pole and there is a little kind of bridge at the top that connects the bird feeder. This one squirrel will go all the way to the top and he'll hang on his tail upside down eating out of the bird feeder. I just thought you guys should know Jeez, that this morning. You know? <laughs> and here people are on the text line complaining that Freddie's swimming in his crease yeah. and you got squirrels figuring got out how to you got squirrels figuring out how to steal from You're the bird welcome. feeder. You know? Come for the sports chat. Stay for the advice on squirrels. Right. It's, uh, right. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs help on bird feeders. I've got you covered. Uh, Hugh Burl jumping in for the panel discussion this morning. Say, let's check the text line just to see where the heads are at. All right. Why not? Uh, 705 number Stephen Barry. I really think the Leafs are on the cusp of something special, but... In capitals, by the way, but say they lose to the Habs in round one. Do you think everyone from Shanty to Dubas should be worried about their jobs? Do you think Jack can handle mentally seeing Freddie on the bench? So I, I like how he frames it as I'm feeling positive, but here are all the reasons and I'm I'm worried and the questions I have if things don't go well. I mean, that that's that's life as a Maple Leafs fan. And Doug and Brantford says if the Leafs fall short, of the finals, would you make a call to Calgary to see what Matthew Kachuk would cost in the offseason? That would be interesting. Mm, yeah. Cost a lot. I, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you're, you're going to have to give up roster players to get a guy. Oh, like there's that. no I don't think could, Kachuk, like, I, I would I would keep, I love, I love Goudreau. Like, I think, I think Johnny's one of the best players. He's the most exciting I think for Kachuk, I mean, I don't, I don't make big changes. Like, are, are you guys, you guys, you think you they should blow it up? No, no, not no, yeah. not at all. Um, there'll be some, some. T- if I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. First of all, I don't think they're going to lose to the Habs. Well, uh, yeah, but I, you just don't want to be disappointed, so you're throwing that out there now, so that you can <laughs> no, walk in with I'm your chest realistic. blown out, I'm being puffed out. If if the Habs do win, well, you know, I mean, nobody thought this, but they did. No, I think I think the stuff with the Leafs that they, they would change around the fringes again. Yeah, right. I mean, you're seven hundred thousand to one point two million dollar guys. I I just think fifty six games. This team has been elite. This team, when it has dipped a bit, it's never been for long. You're not you're not moving off of any of the big four. And I, I think that there was a legitimate conversation to be had about possibly doing that a year ago. If this year went sideways, this regular season has not gone sideways. I think you stick with this group because they have the potential to do something special. And if it's not this spring and the expectation should be that it is this spring, but if it's not this spring, Ziggy, I, I, I yeah. think it could be next year, right? They're right into their primes now, early to mid twenties. The thing that I want to, that if you're looking at the North is that if you're looking at the big four here in Toronto and the big two in, in Edmonton, both of them, both groups are expected to win the division. Like if you're McDavid and Dreisaitl, you're expected, like are, are, if, if they go in the first guys. or second round, if they go out in the first or second round, you're trying to tell me no one's going to come down hard on Dreisaitl and McDavid. Come on, they're going to face the same heat that Marner and Matthews or Tavares would face in Toronto. 
somebody is going to, there's going to be heat on one of those two groups. That's kind of what I'm looking as the playoffs come up here and we talk about the first couple rounds and who comes out of the North where I know we're concerned about the Leafs and we talk about the big four, but only one of these, only Edmonton or Toronto are coming out of the North. Well, and I, if Edmonton doesn't make it out, you're trying to tell me the number one goal scorer in the league over a hundred points. And you have a guy like dry with you. You can't get, you can't make it out of, you can't make it two rounds it, out of the North. It depends how it happens. Siggy. If, if Connor McDavid's got a goal and a helper every night and the Oilers are losing six, three, they, he ain't getting crapped on. There's only so much, even even one elite player can do. I think the Leafs are better positioned, and they are the best team in the North Division on paper. They now have to go out as they did in the regular season. They got to go out in the, in the playoffs and prove it, starting with their series against Montreal. But there's there's only so much you can do as one guy. If the Oilers are not getting secondary scoring, if Mike Smith takes a dip in net, I mean, you don't want Koskinen in there. No. Good Lord. Each of the four teams has questions about their goaltending, which to me is the great equalizer, mm. which means almost anything can happen here. If one of these four starters, or I don't know, whoever's starting for the Leafs, if one of these guys gets red hot, they could just steal a series. If they fall down a little bit, then that opens the door to upsets. I mean, I mean, obviously, so you got Carey Price and Freddie Anderson slash Jack Campbell. It might come down to that because the Habs are going to get healthy again. They're getting their guys back. We, we know what the Leafs are. The, the deciding factor there might be who's between the pipes. And flip a coin. I, I have no idea in terms of, of, of Carey Price right now. Well, I'll what, tell you what right now. be like when he gets back? I'll tell you right now, when we sat down at the start of January and we said, oh, wouldn't it be nice if the Leafs and Habs played in the playoffs for the first time in more than four decades? Nobody had Jack Campbell and maybe Jake Allen. No, Jack as, versus Jake. No. As the game one starting goaltenders. Nope. We're not doing this this morning, but a 289 number is texted in. Kachuk for Nylander in a heartbeat. We're not doing this this morning. <laughs> We're not. It's too early. There'll be plenty of time. I, when I when I was talking about the blowing up, I was I meant the I meant the flames. Like I I don't I don't blow up the flames. That's kind of what I was asking earlier. Not the Leafs. I mean I I think well I I mean I know we're not getting into it, but there I I'd have a hard time believing there's you're not making changes if if it doesn't work now in Toronto. Well, I just like I, flames, I don't want to do it yet, but Ziggy Daryl Sutter. That that team is not coming back as it's currently made up. No. Yeah. And and that starts I, with the core. It has to. Yeah. I I just I don't know with this flat cap. I think it's tough to make moves. I think it's really hard. If they move and they blow up the core there, if in Calgary, I don't. It's gonna be it's gonna be two three years. You're not gonna move your main pieces and then all of a sudden put things together in 12 months. Doesn't happen. Well, Daryl, especially now he does not like the group. I mean, he might've gone yeah. at Ryan Leslie yesterday, but the, the message I took from that two minute back and forth with Ryan Leslie is that Daryl Sutter does not have a lot of time for whatever it is that he, has gone on no or is going in a on rebuild. No behind the in scenes. Rebuild. Well, sure. But yeah. I, he doesn't like the character of the team. Yeah. I came in. He's, he's quoted. He was being condescending to Ryan Leslie, but he, I came in to straighten out. He corrected Ryan Leslie, who asked him, is it disappointing 
or deflating that you didn't get into the playoffs because you were hired midseason to to push this team into the playoffs. So I didn't get hired to put this team in the playoffs. I came in to straighten this team out. Well, that didn't happen. What does that? Well, what is it? Well, what does straighten out mean to you guys? Like for 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 me, that means they they brought him in to figure out who's going to be part of the group going forward. That's what that means to me. So, you know, Brad kind of went to him and said, "Hey, I'm I want to make a change." I'm not sure if this is the group. I need you to come in and figure out who's a player and who's not. So if that's a situation, fine. Then I, I would have said, well, in your mind, who shouldn't be here? That's, I mean, that's what I would have. Well, I don't know if that's a little like, I, I don't just, think he'd tell you that though, in a, in a news conference though, Zig. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I mean, I, that's I mean, you, what you I mean. Ask the they also have, they also have four, four games left to play. Yeah against Vancouver. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're not they're not yeah, I keep th- I keep thinking everyone's season's done in one more game or they yeah. it should be. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it should be exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean. So they have a couple they have a couple more. Okay, that might get a little bit awkward. Um but that's kind of where I would go with it. Like who well, there's the playoffs are over. Like who don't you see coming back? I don't know. Like if that's what he got brought in for, I don't know. I I mean if I'm bringing a new coach in that situation and in the setup this year with the North and seven teams. I, I, I don't know. I, I, did you like, I, I think the flames had a chance to make the playoffs, but he even says that he says like the, the fourth spot was available for us and, and we didn't get there. I it's, it's tough when you question coaches on, on where they're at <laughs> when it's officially over. They, they're not, no, no coach is going to like it. I, I Daryl's no exception. And, He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. I just, I heard that. He's listening so to that a couple of times. Oh man. I, I felt bad for Ryan. We'll roll that tape again a little bit later yeah. on. That, that, that is Daryl. That is peak Daryl Sutter. That is Daryl Sutter at his best. Kevin Barker for the full half hour coming up at seven 30. You want to bark at Barker. The phone lines will be open at four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety. Uh, so get to dialing in the not too distant future uh, to get into the queue. The texts for Kevin Barker as well. To 595.90, former Leafs captain and a guy who was uh, the centerpiece of the Leafs team that last played the Habs in the playoffs in 1979. Daryl Sittler will be with us at the uh, top of the 8 o'clock hour. Stewie and Bourne at 8.30 for Hockey Central at 8.30. So we're looking forward to all of that. The Blue Jays beat Atlanta last night. They go for the sweep this afternoon. It's a 12:20 first pitch in Atlanta. So it's a lunchtime getaway day game. Ross Stripling will start for... Toronto. They split in Oakland, uh, lose two of three in Houston. They've won the first two games in Atlanta. So if you win today, it's a successful and winning trip. And if not, it's a 500 trip, a five and five, 10 game trip. Either way, it's gone pretty well when you consider all of the injuries and everything that this team has faced. They're three games above 500. We'll get into all of that with Barker. NFL skeds out, boys. Woohoo. How about Dallas at Tampa Bay as the season opener? So the defending Super Bowl champ always gets the Thursday night home game to start the year. But week four, Sunday night, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay into Foxborough for Brady's Mm. return to play Bill Belichick and the Patriots. You know what we need at the end of September, early October? (laughs) A chance to debate... Who meant more to who? Oh, I can't wait. Brady I cannot or wait. Belichick? Because I can't get enough of that. The okay, the pa- 
the Patriots are going to be a little better this year. They're going to have all their COVID holdouts back in. They're going to be that's a, a non-sucky division now. Yeah, though. yeah. Miami's on the You're come right. up, and yep. Buffalo's the Buffalo's defending solid, champ, yeah. and they're good. You didn't mention the Jets. I know the Jets will. <laughs> Somebody has to. Robert last. Sala. <laughs> Robert Sala's my guy, former yeah. 49ers D coordinator, but I'm giving him three years to figure the all Jets? of that. Jets. Oh, they're terrible. So <laughs> that game, that game, Bucks at the Patriots, that has the potential to be an absolute blowout for the bus because you know that Tom Brady's not taking his foot off the gas. It can be 42 to six in the fourth quarter. He'll still be out there. Racking I don't think the, Oh no, yeah, no, no. I, he's all, I think he's it's all gone. about sending messages and, and, and the, there, there is nothing aggressive. Stuff. There is nothing Bill Belichick and the new England Patriots can do to damage Tom Brady's reputation. It starts and it ends with this. He left, and he went and won elsewhere right away. Why did he leave, say, though? Because they, they, Well, they that's a separate it, conversation. They, and then that, he was fed up with saying. the whole that's act. That's the impetus for him yes. running up the score but what on I'm October saying is, 3rd. But what I'm saying is, is that if the Patriots win that game, we're not rolling our butts into this studio the next morning and saying, well, oh, that's, no. well, look, you know, Brady can't beat Belichick. Like, <laughs> no. it's you know not what? happening. I thought it was going to be over if he won the Super Bowl last year. I said, what better way to go out? You leave Belichick, you leave the shadow, leave your home in New England. You go down somewhere where they just can't seem to get it done. They're hosting the Super Bowl and you you trot all the way down there and win it. What better way to leave the field and leave your sport? But yeah, the NFL's all-time passing record is... Who? Drew Brees, Drew right? Brees. He's eleven hundred yards behind him. And wouldn't it be special if he breaks Drew Brees That's week and four, gets the right? all-time yeah. passing record in New England? That would be the King Daddy top. So he's got he's gotta have they'll stop the game oh, and present him with a he's gotta he's gotta have a couple of three hundred plus yeah. yard passing performances yeah. in the early part of the season if he's gonna but knock it can that happen, off right? in New England. Yeah. It can happen. It's it's brewing up for that. And if you had to like dial anything in, that's you want to talk about storylines. Like oh. that's the biggest. Why was that's why was, why was Tom Brady forty five for seventy one in Week One against Dallas, and the Buccaneers never handed off the ball? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's because they're trying to rack up his passing yardage oh, so he yeah. can knock that record over in Foxborough. By the way, Tom Brady um, ranks number nine on Forbes list of richest athletes last year. And this is a guy who keeps taking yeah, pay cuts. Pay cuts and deferred salary to help offset so, his team's salary cap. So poor Tommy Terrific had to get by on just $76 million last year. Now I guess this is salary and endorsements and advertising and sponsorships and all that kind of stuff too. Because there's, about, no, there's no yeah. way Conor McGregor made $180 million fighting. He fought like once. So yeah, big money. I mean, and I love all those numbers with athletes and how much they make Jordan when he's done. What are the true numbers? I don't think anybody knows how big they are. Just I've played with some guys that you'd think you know how much money they make, but the numbers are are even bigger. A yeah. guy like uh, I mean, I obviously I'm like a Michael like a Phelps. Obviously, I didn't play with them, uh, but like 
no one I, I i knew someone that was close in his circle and they said you have absolutely no idea how much these guys are actually making like a Sidney crosby is pretty quiet about it you don't hear a lot but i know that number because is we massive only, we only know like what their just salary is right we, we yeah. don't know how much they make in endorsements or anything like that um but back to the nfl schedule how about the buffalo bills first seven games pittsburgh miami washington houston kansas city tennessee like uh, and then Miami again. I, I think it's I think it's going to be tough out of the gates for for the Bills. No, that's what like, you get for being a good team, though. You, you get you get well, well traditionally except for Washington. They're only by they're only by is Washington. You got Washington and Houston thrown in. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's but a you don't know Houston. division champion. Wow, but you don't know about Houston. You don't know about Houston. I mean, dude, Houston. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Sucks but with Kansas, a capital S. Oh, I know about Houston. They're terrible. And S. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you don't know what's we don't we don't we still don't know what they look like though. Well, right? we, still we don't, don't know who's like, going. We still in. don't know what the status of Deshaun Watson is going. But to even be. even with he's yeah. but Miami's going to be good. Gone. Yep. Yeah. But Miami's going to be good. Pittsburgh, uh, uh, Mahomes, Tennessee, like uh, Miami twice. It's going to be it's going to be tough out of the gates for the Bills this year. And everybody's gunning for them. There's no more secrets coming out of Buffalo, like. Yeah, <laughs> they got a Who's home. This Josh Allen guy. Yeah, I think that, yeah. and they got a big game. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to remember all this stuff, but they got a big Halloween game, do they not? Is that against Miami? Miami. Miami. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's at home against Miami. Yeah. It's, yep. and I think they might have U.S. Thanksgiving at home the night game. The Buffalo Bills. Like you, this this team, and, yeah. and deservedly so. In, in, well, Indianapolis. Yeah. Thrust right back. Into prime time. This is like Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas. Well, I got there. I got Darryl the Colts. Tally Bills, Bills hosting the Colts at one o'clock, November twenty first. On November twenty fifth, which might be that's uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, that the is Bill, that the Thanksgiving. So not the twenty first. So at, at New Bills, Orleans. Yeah. The, no, yeah, the Bills are at the at Saints. New Orleans. Yes. Okay, well, but the point is they're playing yeah. on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and that's the prime time game because da- Detroit and Dallas always get a home game. Doesn't matter how gross they are, or how gross their opponent is, or how gross <laughs> those both those teams are. They play on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Getting the primetime game on Thanksgiving night tells you you're good, and Buffalo at New Orleans is is definitely proof of that. Uh, back into some uh, NFL sked talk a little bit later on. Daryl Sittler, former Leafs captain at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, born in Stewie an hour from now. 416-870-0590. 416-870-0590 is the phone number. The text line wide open at 590-590. You want to bark at Barker? Kevin Barker for the half hour. Next. You're listening. This is Lead Off with Ziggy and Scotty Mack on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, we're coming back to Teoscar Hernandez's walk-up music. Love it. Time to bark at Barker for the next half hour. Kevin Barker is here, and the phone lines are open. 416-870-0590. 416-870-0590. The texts to 590-590 are already flooding in. We'll get to your questions and comments. Kevin is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So before we get into the baseball, you've broken it all down, Kevin. I have no doubt about it. You've looked at the schedule. We we looking at a solid five and twelve for your Denver Broncos next year or what? 
Oh, right to uh, it, you went. Uh, uh, right to it. Hey, not not if they get that quarterback that's in Green Bay right now. No, no, no. We're going to flip-flop <laughs> that and go 12-5, and five, baby. Quarterback. 12-5. and five. How about that guy? Yeah. You know, it is about uh, who goes hut-hut. Yeah. It is about who goes hut-hut. That's all it is. That's all it is. And if you could just pull Aaron Rodgers out of the air and have him land in Denver, I'll shut up about making fun of your Broncos. Um, never again will you talk bad about them. No, no, never again. Okay, let's. And neither will my better half either, because my better half roots for that team in Kansas City it's been, with that quarterback. It's been. Let's just say the scales in your household have been <laughs> leaning one way pretty heavily for the last what three or four years, right? I mean, uh, yeah, Kansas it's, City's it's not been, bad. It's been hard to bear in my house, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, and then the quarterback's yeah. only worth. Five hundred million dollars in Kansas City, and and probably worth every penalty, uh, penny. So so, there you have it. Yeah, it's pretty good. So this is, I mean, if if you drew up a road trip that took them to Oakland for four, Houston for three, and then Atlanta uh, National League Park National League rules for three, and you said, at worst they're going to be five and five, at best they're going to win today and be six and four. I think you absolutely take it in either scenario, especially when they lose the first two games in Oakland. And, Kevin, we can go down the laundry list as we have, and I know you do with Blair on Baseball Central every day at 2 o'clock here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. But this team is 19-16 and 16 despite, among other things, rampant pitching injuries, 40% of the starting rotation still unsettled, George Springer has hardly played, and 24 of the 35 games this team has played have been on the road. It'll be 25 of 36 after this afternoon. If you throw this all together and you you take it to the more micro level of this road trip, the, Charlie Montoyo has got to be really happy with where this team is sitting right now. Yeah, how about this? They got Robbie Ray, who's been great, outstanding, better than we could have ever expected. Marcus Simeon starting to be the Marcus Simeon that I think they tried to go out and pay $19 million for. Bo Bichette's exactly what you thought Bo Bichette would be. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I don't want to say it's a surprise, but, man, to, to see the things he does, not only offensively but defensively, running the bases and how much fun he's having, that, that's a must-watch. That's a remote stopper. And, oh, by the way, the bookend is Teoscar Hernandez now. And, you know, I came out to that song there. But there's one reason that I that I had Vic play that song was you, you that that song has a little bit of rhythm to it and and you know everybody yells and screams about well why why is Teoscar Hernandez able to stay in the big part of the field and if he gets a breaking ball and get the head out a little bit and he can hit a 460 foot home run to left to left field well that song will tell you a little bit of, about what he's trying to do at the plate it's about rhythm and timing all all of that having that little bit of a flow and that little bit of a you know the the easy motion in his lower half to get a little bit of something going back to get it nice and smooth and and short and long through it when he makes contact and look you, you know middle of the order bats what are you looking for, for from those guys it's the on-base percentage has to be somewhere in the high 300s to low 400s the slugging percentage has to be in the high 500s low 600s is Teoscar Hernandez there yet probably not the on-base percentage is starting to go up because those two things are starting to meet in the middle you know the, the middle of the order bats guys that are are carriers of their team for long periods of time have an on-base percentage uh, plus slugging of over a thousand can't is he there yet 
Probably not. Can he get there? Well, you know, if he starts laying off the slider a little bit more, he's starting to uh, get, get pitches in the zone that he can do damage on. It's not about him going up and getting a hit. Nah, we don't really care about that. We want him to do damage. Every time he walks to the plate, it is I'm doing something to the baseball that the baseball's not going to like. And it's because, for me, it adds up to that song. When that song's played and he comes walking off, you know, at home, when he comes walking from the on-deck circle to the plate, it just – he carries over that rhythm, and it's just that song. He keeps playing that song over and over between his ears, and you're starting to see the results at the plate. Get it singing. With with That's T. Oscar, it, yeah, I was asking Scotty earlier, do you, do you try to lock him up and sign him to something long-term, or do you need to see more of what we saw after he had COVID? I said before COVID, the first seven games this season hit just a little over 200 since he's been back hitting almost 350. Is this a guy you see long-term? Well, I mean, it'd be nice, right? You get George Springer, you got Bo, you got Vlad, you got Teoscar Hernandez. That's not bad. You know, in the next eight, nine, ten years, that wouldn't be a bad four guys that you would have. You know, you got George for the next, what, five and some change. You could have the the, the two boys in the middle there and Bo and Vladdy for however long you want them. Basically, as long as you're paying them, we're going to be here. And Teoscar, you know, Teoscar is – just scratching the surface. All, all the stats that I just gave, the on-base percentage, the slugging percentage, the, the on-base plus slugging, the total bases is a big thing, a guy hitting in the middle of the order. You, you know, you want it somewhere around the low to mid-300s. That sounds like a big number, but that's what you want. If you're going to pay a guy tremendous amounts of money, these kind of stats, the, the walks, uh, how many times a year he walks, you know, that's got to be somewhere close to, to the 95 to 100 range. Uh, the doubles have to be somewhere in the 40 range. The home runs have to be somewhere in the, in the 30 range. The RBIs have to be somewhere in the, the 95 to 110 range. You think about Teoscar Hernandez. Could he do all these things? <clears throat> that That's when you start talking about do you want to lock him up long term. And, and it gets back to that song. The, the more he plays that song between his ears, the better he's the better rhythm he's going to have at the plate. The better chance it gives him of having these kind of numbers, because what that rhythm does, it allows him to see the ball quicker, and it gives him a chance to lay off that slider. That's a strike to ball and. Look, the talent's off the charts. He might be the most athletic person on that team with the things he does and the, the, the way he's he can go about it. Now, all of a sudden, they're moving him to left field. I didn't think he's a very good left fielder. But because he has so much confidence, and they have so much confidence in him, or where they're hitting him in the lineup and, and the way he's playing in the outfield and, and his baseball IQ is starting to catch up to all the talent that he has. Look, do, do you need to see a little bit more? I do, before you start giving him a ton, ton of money. But with, with the changes that he's made and, and the things that he's starting to do to turn the corner, you keep talking about the bookends. You got George Springer, you got Teoscar Hernandez, and you got the two aircraft carriers right in the middle. That ain't, that ain't a bad mix for the next seven or eight years. You know, Baseball Central with Blair and Barker, 2 o'clock every day here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Jays play at 1220 today, though, so the two are on for a quick pregame starting at noon, and then we'll have Jays talk after the game right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Kevin Barker. Keep the text coming to 590 590. Bark at Barker on the phone line. Dial up now, 416-870-0590. I thought the big at bat and Teoscar's two home runs were obviously key, but I thought the big at bat last night came from Marcus Semyon. So Ryu, who was pretty much untouchable all night, 
makes the one mistake to William Contreras, and you go, crap. I mean, the offense hadn't done anything to that point. Max Fried is looking good. It's now one nothing. Atlanta leaves a fastball in the fat part of the plate. Contreras didn't miss it. Is one going to be enough for Atlanta? So you get to the mm. bottom of the order, and Kevin Biggio, in the top of the six, leads things off with a walk. You got Danny Jansen and the pitcher's spot. So do you want to lift Ryu after five innings when he's looked this good? Probably not, so he's going to hit. Nope. Well, Jansen, Jansen doesn't get anything done. I don't think they're ever going to ask him to bunt again after the first week of the year experience. He strikes out. Ryu mm. works the count a little bit, but ends up striking out. Biggio, though, steals second on the strikeout pitch. So now you got a runner on second and two outs. You're feeling somewhat deflated watching the game because it's unfortunate you got a leadoff runner on with Jansen and Ryu as your next two hitters. But Marcus Semyon, two strikes, works the count, fights off some pitches, and he gets that hanging curveball, and he doesn't miss it. Kevy deposits it into the corner for a two-out RBI double to tie the game. I thought that that sort of took some pressure off the guy's shoulders Huge at bat at a huge moment, getting that run back for your pitcher. Yeah, it was huge. Kevin Biggio had a had a tremendous at bat. You know, he that's what you want Kevin Biggio to do. You're not asking Kevin Biggio to get three hits a game. You want him to get on base a couple of times. That's why you got him at the bottom of the order. I still like to see him hit ninth. Uh, all things equal, and everybody's back where they should be. Having a second leadoff guy, you know that that's pretty nice. And having George coming up with somebody on base. Danny Jansen seems like he's taking a step back again and, and not a step forward. It's The Marcus Simeon thing has made a little bit of an adjustment. He's turned his front foot a little bit to try and keep his front shoulder in. Now, that's the third hit he's had this year on something that's spinning. He's not a very good breaking ball hitter. He just, for whatever reason, doesn't like it. Maybe because he's not seeing the spin out of the hand. Maybe because he is geared up to hit a fastball, which is okay. 2021, I'd rather have a guy that's ready to hit a heater than always going up guessing breaking ball. But you know, you, you, the old saying is you're not going to hit the good breaking balls. You're going to hit the hangers. He got a hanging breaking ball with two strikes. He did exactly what a big league hitter is supposed to do to a hanging breaking ball. He hits it hard somewhere and gets a, a result out of it. That's that's what this is all about. This is how you win games on the road. This is how you be 500 on the road. And then when you go home, you can be 10, 15 games above 500, and that's how you make the playoffs. It's It starts with great starting pitching, which is what they got out of Ryu. It, the bottom of the order has to have some better at-bats, above average at-bats. And then the guys that come up, those first four guys, have to have a big hit. And Marcus Simeon, right, he's made the little adjustment by keeping his front side in a little bit better and, and the hat, turning the front foot a little bit more and, and being able to level out his swing a little bit more and hunt a heater until you don't have to, battle with two strikes, and maybe you can get a hit that way. This is what this, hit, this team does. This is what they're going to have to do until George gets back, and hopefully when George gets back, everybody else falls in place. Oh, by the way, when George gets back, Marcus Simeon, think about this, could be hitting sixth in your order. All of a sudden, think about that, that you got a guy that could hit 30 home runs in your lineup hitting sixth. That's not mm -hmm. too shabby either. Yeah, I got him at six as well. And a good point you just brought up with Springer and when he comes back. But since he's been injured for most of the season, would you say Simeon has been the most important player to kind of pick up the slack with Springer out? No. The, 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 for me, it, it will always be the, the three. It would be Bo 
and Vladdy, and now you're starting to see Teoscar Hernandez. Teoscar Hernandez is going to be huge because a lot of guys are going to pitch around Vladdy. Vlad, Vladdy is the one guy that can hit everything, has great plate coverage, can hit the fastball in off the plate, uh, can drive down and through the baseball, starting to lay off things that he shouldn't be swinging at. He does uh, basically everything. And if, and if I'm a manager and I'm thinking about who I don't want to beat me every time I see the Blue Jays, it, uh, it always, for me, yells and screams the same guy, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So Teoscar Hernandez might be the most important guy on the field. It, this is what they have to do. They have to have great pitching because of the age of their lineup. Their lineup's not good enough to go up mentally and think about, okay, what's this guy trying to do to me? Can I split the plate right down the middle like a Max Freed? for an example. I don't want to swing at his breaking ball because it's really good. Yeah, he'll start that thing about at your belt, and it'll end up about mid, down or somewhere around, around your calf. That's a pretty good break on a breaking ball, so I don't want to swing at that. So I basically have to split that plate right down the middle. I'm going to give him one side or the other. Can they mentally, because of their youth, go up and say, okay, my first at bat, I'm going to look middle away. I'm going to give him the ball in. My next at bat, because that, that at bat didn't go very well, that approach is not very good. I'm going to give him the outside part of the plate and I'm going to look in. Those are tall tasks to ask these guys. So you have to have great starting pitching and you got to give them a chance like they've had the last couple of days to have the big inning. That's how they're starting to win these kind of games. And, you, you know, until they get their full lineup back, this is the way they're going to have to figure out how to win games and, and play great defense like they've been doing. You know, we, all we were doing is yelling and screaming about the left side of the infield, and all of a sudden, Bo Bichette looks like, you know, he, he never had any issues, <clears throat> excuse me, playing shortstop and, and using his backhand and, and the, the transfer from the glove to, to his hand. All of these things have been great. He's thrown strike one to, to first base, which is a big deal. So that's what good teams do, right? They, they pitch great. They get a timely hit, and they play great, great defense. And right now, that's what the Blue Jays are doing. With Kevin Barker on leadoff, Sportsnet 590. The fan will take your text to 590-590. Bark at Barker a little bit. Uh, Jonah from Curtis. What's your early season impression of Tyler Chatwood? I've never seen him this good, certainly not when he was in Chicago. I, I got to say, Kevin, yeah. and you know I follow the Cubs pretty closely. I mean, this guy couldn't have hit water if he was throwing a ball off a boat into the ocean a few years ago. <laughs> he's become he's become a really, not just competent, but trustworthy short reliever. And the one thing that really stands out for me watching him even more so now than I have at any point during his career, the break on the slider is vicious. Yeah, well, okay, you, you know, I, I think we should be using caution a little bit. That, that That's the one thing with him, that they relievers are very moody. Having a guy that didn't have a whole lot of success being a starter and didn't really have a whole lot of success <clears throat> when the Cubs moved him from a starter to the bullpen, and now all of a sudden he's changed grips on his cutter. The cutter, he can control a little bit more and have it, you know, have later break to it and keep it on the plate a little bit longer, which is why he's getting some takes and, and some little weak swings on that, that pitch right there. Moving to one side of the, the rubber is a big deal. That that makes his target a little bit easier to throw to. What I mean by that is he was on third base side of the rubber, and where do you aim to get the cutter to cut and keep it off the middle of the plate? That's the issue he was having of being on the third base side of the rubber. So what's he do? Moves over to the first base side of the rubber. Now, all of a sudden, I know exactly where I want to aim that pitch. Now, if I miss with it, I'm missing off the plate, not right down the middle, because it is 89 miles an hour. It doesn't have a lot of velocity to to it, but it does have a lot of late break to it. And, 
you know, now all of a sudden he's got the 97-mile-an-hour four-seamer that he can elevate. He's got the cutter. He's got the sinker. Those are three fastballs. You know, you don't change a whole lot of grip to them, and they're basically grip-it-and-rip-it pitches. He's not a finesse guy. So he simplified it that way. He's made some little adjustments with his mechanics, with his, which is a nice deal. He, I, Like I just said, changed the grip on the cutter. He's not gripping his middle finger as much, which allows him to control it. And the big change was moving on the rubber. That's what you have to do. You want to be a consistent big leaguer? You want to stay in the big leagues? You got to make adjustments. Good for the Blue Jays. They found a guy they thought they could they could turn into what he's turning into right now. Do we think he can be the eighth inning guy all year? Probably not. You know, this is a nice surprise where he can go multiple innings. He can pitch right now from anywhere from the fifth inning to the ninth inning. You ride it as long as you can ride it. Yeah, and uh, maybe he doesn't have to be the eighth inning guy all year if Romano can stay healthy and if Merriweather gets back and you've got Barucky especially to deal with left-handers and Dolice all that stuff. gets back Dolice, like a lot of names yeah. AJ Cole is a guy who could work some of the earlier innings for you as well um I don't know if the ninth inning is yeah, ideal. He's a fresh arm the two-run home yeah, he's run a fresh arm right yeah and the two-run yeah. home run in the top of the ninth last night Kevin didn't hurt I mean it, it, I, I I don't know how I felt about AJ Cole in a 2-1 <laughs> game Four to one was four to one was a lot more palatable when he came in in the bottom of the ninth. Kevin Barker with us until the top of the hour. Keep the text coming to Bark at Barker, five ninety five ninety. We gotta get we, we gotta we gotta do something better than was a little it, terrier. Was, was that Vic. that was a little that was a multi poo? Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> get us a Great Dane or some like a bulldog or something like that. Yeah, go. sound there a little Rottweiler something. Something with some anger behind it. Uh, we got to talk <laughs> about on. Nate Pearson. Barker hasn't been with us since Tuesday. Nate Pearson was sent down later in the day. His reaction to that, where did this go wrong? Or is this just a totally normal situation that sometimes happens with prospects? And, oh, by the way, Alec Manoa was great again at AAA last night. We'll discuss both of those players with Kevin Barker in just a moment. Kevin Barker is uh, with us on leadoff Sportsnet 590. The fan, former Leafs captain, one of the all-time greats in franchise history, Daryl Sittler. At the top of the hour. All right, Kev, let's start with Nate Pearson. In your opinion, and hindsight is a wonderful thing, but now that we've sort of seen it in its totality to this point, in your opinion, where did it go wrong? Was it too early to bring Nate up? Did the team do wrong by him bringing him up and asking him to pitch Sunday? Did they do wrong by him not giving him a second opportunity to go out there and correct at the big league level, what happened on Sunday in Houston? Or was this the right thing to do? Get him up here, see how he looks. Okay, he's not ready. He goes back down, figures things out. We'll see him a little bit later on this season. I think it's all the all the uh, <clears throat> excuse me all the ones except the last one you said to call him up and see what he looks like. The, the bringing him up with, uh, when you saw the numbers, what they were in the minor leagues with the three and two third and the seventy five pitches. I think's what it was with the eight strikeouts. That's okay. It, that, that's not efficient to think that's going to equate against the Houston Astros in that in that park with that little short porch and left and asking him to you, you know pitch differently to a balanced lineup's a lot to ask. And the one thing that keeps standing out to me that I don't think Pete Walker can teach is mound presence. Going down and learning how to, to, to have mound presence is – we had Tom Glavin on yesterday, Baseball Central, and he was talking about – and I asked him the question about can you teach yourself mound presence. He said it's not going to be an easy thing to do. You either got it or you don't. And having a guy that, that, that needs to go down and – 
whatever that will be conviction looking like it's me against you looking like i got a pitch that you can't hit looking like alec manoa you know you want to flip you want to throw it on the flip side of, of what when you got a really good pitch that nobody can hit or you have a lot of confidence in and you want to throw it all the time no matter what the count is that that's where i think nate pearson and i think that's where the blue jays want him to get can he do that well it's time to go down put your big boy pants on Go look in the mirror. Say they'd rather right now have Anthony Kay pitching than you. If that's not enough to light a little bit of fire underneath you, to go down there and say exactly what I just said to yourself in the mirror and go out there and just say it's me against you. I have a lot to prove now. The prospect thing's about to wear out. Trust me, I was a part of that. When It was all giggles when you had a, a P beside your name because they give you every chance in the world. But for me, it's a little bit of rubber meet the road with Nate. It's that thing of we've seen enough of him coming up struggling. <clears throat> now it's it's time to start seeing him dominate and start seeing him be the guy that we all think he can be, which is I have 98. I'm going to throw it where I want to throw it. And how dare you, hitter, tell me I can't do it. Until he shows the Blue Jays for me, that he can do that, I don't think they should call him up. So what you're saying is he's going to go from prospect to suspect here pretty soon. <laughs> suspect is a strong – not really. No, because it's, it's up to him. It's up, they're gonna, he's going to yeah, get every no, chance because he, he's yeah. a prospect right now. But, the, yeah. but his mindset, because I've been there, his mindset when he goes to the minor leagues now, he could sulk for a couple days, you know, go get drunk, do whatever it has to do because you got sent down. But now it's go look in the mirror and say, I know exactly what I need to do. Can he go down and fix head jerk at the minor league level? Probably not. They don't have the tools down there to show him how to fix that. And playing long toss with whoever he's playing long toss with is probably not going to work. But he can work on the mound presence thing. He, he can act like he deserves to be there and act like that's my field. When I'm on it, you're not going to have a chance of hitting it. And that that's the thing I think the Blue Jays want to see from him. And for me, again, it gets back to that. Until you actually see that on a consistent basis, it'll be real tough to call him up again. Somebody else we're all talking about is Alec Manoa. Had a great game yesterday, six innings pitched, five strikeouts through 76 um, pitches, 49 strikes. This is a guy, though, that's only played – he's only been in – throwing in 29 innings at the minor league level. What do you think is the best trajectory for him and the Jays? I, well, uh, you have to ask yourself, does, is he better than what you have now? Is he better than Anthony Kay? Is he better than Trent Thornton? Is he better than whoever, uh, Ross Stripling? W would he give you a better chance to win a game than those three guys right there. But that's the question first and foremost you have to ask yourself. And can he command a his best pitch to both sides of the plate, which is his fastball? Can he go into a left-hander? Can he go away to a left-hander? Can he go away from a right-hander? Can he run a ball up and in to a right-handed hitter, keep him honest, and flip a slider down and away for strike three? That's what you have to ask yourself. Again, we haven't seen him enough live to know this. We're just looking at stats, and it says that he's walked one guy in two starts. He's striking out 17 guys. He's He looks sounds like he's being pretty efficient with the pitches that he needs to be efficient with. And the mound presence that we've been talking about with Nate that he doesn't have, he seems to have it. When do you call him up? That's the million-dollar question. It'll be interesting to see what the Blue Jays do with him. He just – Alec, everything that I've listened about him and heard about him, the things that go on around him doesn't really bother him. He only focuses on things that he can control. And if you continue to see that from him at the minor league level, what difference does it matter where he's striking out seven guys? If he's doing it at the big league level and he can help your team, 
that's when you think you well, should call him up. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Like from an age perspective, Kev, I'm I, I'm all good with Manoa coming up now. I, I I think it's the innings count. Like the two the two names I always come back to for rookie or very young pitchers who come up and have almost an immediate impact. Dave Steves back went out in 1991 and Juan Guzman came up and stepped right in and became that team's most trusted starter. But here's the thing. Juan Guzman yeah. was 24, which is about what Manoa is, except Guzman had been in pro ball since he was 18 and had thrown 150 mm -hmm. plus innings in minor league seasons twice. Like he, yeah. he'd thrown the hell out of the baseball by that point. He had a ton of pro experience. And then Marcus Stroman, a bit of a different example. He pitched a good portion of 2014, blew the knee out in 2015 spring training, came back and was John Gibbons' yeah. choice to pitch the elimination yeah. game in, in, in the ALDS against Texas and all of that. Like the, he's at the age where he can do it. The question is, is, is he uh -huh. built up enough, everything you just said, but also is he built up enough to sustain the, the work the workload of a long season. Okay, yeah, the flip side of that too. You remember at, at West Virginia, he he pitched every Friday. He's learning now routine-wise how to figure out how to pitch every five days. There's a big difference there. There there is something that you're trying to find that works for you that that keeps you healthy, that keeps you fresh, that keeps all your pitches sharp. What what it what do you need to do between starts? Do, do you throw a couple of bullpens? Do you long toss? Do, are you a max effort long tosser? Do you just want to flip it? Do you want to only throw 90 feet? All of these things that he's trying to learn right now as quick as he possibly can learn it. Because it sounds like whenever he pitches, he's must-watch, and he's dominating hitters at the minor league level. Now it's just refining the routines and figuring out how, how he can keep himself healthy and, and dominate with the, the plus stuff that he does have. It'll be an interesting thing. I, I don't have the right answer for it. I think Ross Atkins and the Toronto Blue Jays are trying to find the right answer for it. I do know that he continues to do what he's doing. He's going to push him into doing something. Yeah, and doing it quick. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I still think a you, you, couple of months from now, lead up to July thirty first, it'll be a lot clearer who's in, who's maybe in, and who's definitely out. And if there's a definitely out team that's got a controllable starter for a year or two at least, and and you can swing a bit of a blockbuster, then then that might be another starting rotation piece that you have to help you in the second half of this season and going forward. I mean, I think there are a lot of ways to attack this situation. What we know is that Ross Stripling is pitching today. And what I believe is that Ross Stripling will not be in the starting rotation in August or September. And if he is, it's a sign that there's been a lot of attrition or other problems have come up. So we'll, we'll yeah, see how it I just all... want to see... I just want to see Ross throw his best pitch. Don't don't try and pitch to a weakness, a hitter's weakness. You're not good enough to do that. You're not good enough to throw 30 sliders to a team don't like slider. You ain't good enough to do that. They're trying to get you to go five plus innings. You got a really good breaking ball. Use it. You got a halfway decent changeup. Use it. You can locate a fastball most of the time. Use it. There's your three pitches. Go out there and live and die with those, and stop trying to pitch the, the hitter's weaknesses. That 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 for me sometimes just a little bit of a head scratcher. If you're gonna get beat. At least you could walk away when somebody's asking you a question on a Zoom call about what did you do today. At least you can say, hey, you know what? They beat me, and I threw my best stuff. That's all I can do every time I go out. Well, uh, they've got the finale in Atlanta. they got three at home against Philadelphia around the weekend. Monday's an off day, so we'll have you on Tuesday morning at 730 for a little more Bark at Barker, and we'll be teeing up the Chowds.
They're coming to Dunedin. Jays and Red Sox for nice. three starting next Tuesday. So we're looking forward to that. Thanks, pal. Always fun. Yeah. See you later. You bet. Kevin Barker, the uh, co-host of Baseball Central with Jeff Blair, which usually airs at 2 o'clock each weekday here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Jays play at 1220 today. So Blair and Barker will have a brief pregame show at noon. And then Blair and Barker will hang around for Jays talk, Blue Jays talk after the game here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Kevin Barker, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Stewie and Bourne for Hockey Central at 8.30. We do it every Thursday. Up next, one of the Leafs' all-time greats, a former captain. And he was in that series the last time the Leafs and Habs met in the playoffs in 1979. Daryl Sittler is our guest. But first, and here's what we're talking about this morning on leadoff Sportsnet 590, the fan. Austin Matthews scored his 41st goal of the season, game-tying goal with less than three minutes to go in the third period. That got the Leafs a point in a 4-3 overtime loss to the Ottawa Senators. Frederick Anderson made 24 saves on 28 shots in his return to action the first time in almost eight weeks. Uh, just chalk it up. A couple of second assists, but they all count with this guy. Connor McDavid, another multi-point effort the Oilers beat the Habs 4-3 in overtime last night the Blue Jays they get a 4-1 win down at Atlanta Hyunjin Ryu was awesome seven innings to secure his third victory of the season the Blue Jays will go for the sweep this afternoon on Sportsnet 590 the fan and on Sportsnet 1 Ross Stripling gets the ball broadcast coverage starts at 12 noon and the Raptors are back in action they've got a date with the Chicago Bulls as they just begin the wind down officially to their season, playing out the string. All right, we don't know exactly when game one is going to be, but we know we can't wait for it. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens will meet in the playoffs for the first time since 1979. My mom was seven months pregnant with me the last time the Leafs played the Habs in the playoffs. Ziggy was uh, just a speck in his parents' eyes at that point. <laughs> so this is a first for both of us. We figured we should turn to one of the Leafs' all-time greats, a guy who played in that series, which did not go the Leafs' way. But uh, to reflect on that and to look ahead to what we can expect about a week from now, here he is, former Leafs captain. Daryl Sittler is on the line. Good morning, Daryl. How are you? Good morning, um, great. How about you? A nice, beautiful, sunny day. Beautiful, gorgeous, sunny day. And I, I hate bringing up the fact that that some of us weren't alive the last time the Leafs played the Habs in the, in the playoffs. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm telling you, 1993 was the closest we got uh, since since 1979, and it didn't quite happen in that year's Stanley Cup final. But this must bring back a ton of memories for you, Daryl. Um, you know, having been such a key part of the Maple Leafs through the 70s, and right around the start of the 80s, the old matchups with the Habs in a smaller league, um, both teams still relatively successful in all of that. It, it's just got to be just got to be a memory a week for you. Yeah, and, and obviously it's uh, come to the forefront uh, because it's been so long, but I was one of those guys. I was fortunate. I was drafted in 70, so a lot of the players on that team had been on this. The 67 Cup, and, uh, you know, George Armstrong, uh, Ronnie Ellis, Dave Keon, and those guys. So I uh, got to feel the uh, the pulse of what it meant to play the Canadians and, 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 and be a Maple Leaf and the respect that both teams uh, had for each other. So when we played them in 79, um, I mean, Canadians were 
so much stronger than the rest of the teams in the league. I'm going down their roster here uh, this morning just to remind me of the great players they had. I mean, they had such great depth in defense. I mean, I think there's probably uh, seven or eight guys off that team that have been Hall of Famers. Like Rod Langway was a young guy starting out back then. And, you know, guys like Pierre LaRouche, Jacques Lemaire, I mean, Pierre Mondu, uh, Dougie Jarvis, Bob Ganey. There's, they had so much more depth than the rest of them. They only lost 17 games that year. I think the year before, they only lost eight in the regular season. So that was the difference uh, between them and us. The, the series was a tough series. I mean, yeah, we lost four straight, but it was a, didn't feel like a, you know, a blowout sort of. Uh, to, you know, the last two games, I think we lost in overtime. So, um, but then hey, they they dismantled that team shortly after that was, which was unfortunate. The Leafs team and and you know took a while for them to get back uh, on track. And when Cliff Fletcher came back, um, uh, that changed things around for the Leafs in '91 when he brought Gilmore and those guys back in. We talk a lot about the regular season versus the playoffs and and how different they are from from your time as a player and then as a fan now watching the game. What was what was the biggest difference for you on the ice when you're just comparing a regular season to actually going into the playoffs and the challenges you face there? Well, the, the good players, the great players in the game, know that they have to bring it to the next level because you, you, you don't get as much room out there. Uh, when we played the Canadians, Scotty Bowman was very tactical at making sure he had his defensive players on against Lanny and I, guys like Riseboro or Doug Jarvis, Bob Ganey. So it's tougher to score. You don't get as many chances and, uh, and, and the intensity level is, is, is hard high. And, and, and generally in the playoffs, everybody finishes their check. So you pass the puck, somebody's going to take you out to stop you getting back into the play. So it's, it's tougher hockey. You got to fight for, uh, for your space. And I think that's one thing our team watching us over the last couple of years and, and being disappointed how we lost out, but I see the maturity and, and how some of our guys have grown. And I think going into the the season this year, um, management, coaches, staff made them understand that, hey, you've got to play like this uh, throughout the season um, if you want to be successful in the playoffs. And that Canadians team, again, looking at their stats, they were they were the best in uh, goals against. They had the least goals against in the league that year, and, and those are the toughest, tougher teams to play against. It's it's one thing to score goals, but not to give them up uh, and, and, and be good at that. Uh, you make it tougher to beat teams like that, for sure. With Daryl Sittler on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, Matthews and Marner have been an unbelievable duo uh, this year, Daryl. And, I mean, you have had a lifelong, essentially great friendship with Lanny McDonald, you two played on the same line, and you had that dynamism to your game with him. When did you know with Lanny that it just clicked? And what what attributes did he have that made you better and that you had to help make him better? Well, first of all, when Lanny was drafted by the Leafs, he was, uh, you know, I think he was third pick overall or something like that. There's a lot of expectation, but he struggled his first couple of years. And then he gained some confidence, in the, and uh, sometimes, as Ziggy knows, when you play with guys, you just seem to have the right chemistry. You understand kind of how each other thinks and, and uh, where to put the puck uh, when the guy's in a scoring position. So when Lanny matured, and uh, one of the things that, again, great players and, and duels like uh, you're mentioning, when they get together, they come to play every night, and there's a, there's a level of confidence that you gain by just knowing that, hey, no games off. Everybody's uh, 
you, you know, going to give their best. And Lanny was one of those guys that I was fortunate to, to play against. Now, when you when you say that, the management and other coaches and other teams recognize that, and they'll do everything to to get you off your game. You know, um, uh, whether it's hitting you. Uh, remember watching a couple of series with Flyers against Crosby and how they they attack the better players in a different way to emotionally get them, you know, off their game and frustrated. So. Again, uh, I'm, I've seen quite a bit of maturity in, in both uh, uh, Marner and Matthews in the last year or so, and, and they're great players. And if you want to win the Cup, you have to have your best players and your great players doing it uh, game in and game out and in the playoffs, and then you got a shot at doing it. But the other thing I like about our club is management's put together a good group of guys with experience, like bringing a guy like Nick Tolino in and, and obviously Spess and Tavares, Thornton. They've all mature guys and experience and they know what it takes. So uh, to surround them with uh, our young stars, uh, I think legitimately we got a shot. We know there's a lot of pressure. Their expectations are high. Canadians are never an easy team to play against because they're the Montreal Canadians. They can, they can uh, again, bring it to another level and they can get exceptional goaltending. So for all its fans watching, it's exciting, especially with the COVID thing uh, going on. Uh, it just gives us something that positive to look forward to and, Hopefully we're on the, the winning side this year and go on and uh, win this Canadian division and see what happens. As a multiple 40-goal scorer, and I, I I, don't know, it's tough to compare. I always tell Scott, it's tough to compare guys from different eras, but if you want to match yourself up against you know, a, a Matthews and, and what he's going through, right? A guy that's had a, got it done in the regular season but trying to take that next step in the playoffs, what's something you'd – you'd tell a Matthews on, on how to take that next step and where to take this Leafs team? Well, uh, in watching Austin, I think he's doing the right thing. <laughs> he's doing the little things game in and game out. And in the off season, he doesn't, uh, he's not satisfied kind of, you know, having a, a good year. And then he wants to make himself the best player uh, game in and game out all the time. And I see that with him. And I look at, you know, guys like Jonathan Taves, I mean, I always admired him and how he played in the playoffs. He brought his game to another level, and he brought the players around him. And, and I, I see that maturity in Austin uh, uh, this year. And, and and he's got to enjoy it, too. I mean, uh, yeah, there's pressure, but just keep doing what you're doing um, and have been doing in the playoffs and uh, or in the season, and uh, it'll work out for you in the playoffs. But uh, it takes a team to win. As Ziggy knows, not just one guy. And, uh, and that's important that the management put – we got some depth this year, you know. Um, if somebody's not, uh, you know, having a not scoring or can't get those chances, then um, somebody else can fill in. And I think that's what I like about our team this year: the depth and the consistency we played with throughout the season. With Daryl Sittler on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, the goaltending is a topic of conversation. I feel like we're not allowed to go into the playoffs without something to concern ourselves with, and and that's just in no small part because so much is on the line. Jack Campbell has been fantastic. Freddie Anderson just returned from a lengthy absence, at least to the NHL last night, Daryl. It looks like it's Jack's net. What have you seen from him this year that gives you confidence that the Leafs can ride him through the playoffs? Well, I mean, he had that, obviously that long run. I don't know how many games he won in a row there, 11 or 12 or whatever it was, but you can sense that the players on the team, um, when he's in the net, uh, really feel good about him being there, you know, and uh, the last little while he's been playing good again. He's, you know, he's, he's not a young guy. He's in his 
mid twenties, I guess. So, uh, you know, he's been around the block, so to speak, but uh, Freddie, I mean, it's been disappointing um, when we have lost out uh, the first round, but he's played pretty good in a number of those games. But unfortunately we as fans and sports reporters, you'll remember the one week goal, you know, and, uh, and if you're going to win in the playoffs, you definitely have to have goaltending. I mean, that, that makes a difference. You look at any team that's won a Stanley cup or, gone uh, rounds in the playoffs, their goaltender uh, has made a difference for them. It's just, uh, it's just the name of the game. And, uh, and uh, I think we've got, again, by the consistency we played with this year, um, we're, we'll be okay in goal, you know, and, uh, and it's good that, that Freddie's coming back to the, you know, I mean, uh, they'll probably start Campbell, I would guess, because uh, just the situation, but uh, Hey, uh, Freddie's a great, great goaltender and, and we'll just have to see what happens, you know, but one thing is, you know, in playoffs, um, uh, you never know what's going to happen, whether it's a, a bad call or it's a, a key injury or, or whatever, a weak goal that can, can change the series. But you still just got to believe in yourself and stay focused when when things aren't quite going your way and, and that can happen in the playoffs. So I like what I see here. I, I like our coaching staff too. Uh, they've got the guys thinking the right way all the time. One thing they're trying to figure out is the power plate struggled the last half of the season. They came out hot. Or we're leading in in every stat on the power play to begin the season. What were what were were there power play meetings back when you played? Obviously, I know video wasn't a big part of uh, the game then, but is is that one thing that, um, you know, something y- y- when you see them struggle out there, is there something you'd kind of suggest from the do? And and what was it like when when you played? Well, uh, the video started uh, in the mid-70s when Roger Nielsen came uh, um, into the league, so to speak. And it was very uh, new to us, but it was meaningful. And we did work on the power play a lot. We have a number of set plays, and you try to keep the same five guys together. Um, One of the things nowadays, I mean, you watch it, and everybody knows every move, so to speak. I mean, back then, I think we had two coaches. Now they have four or five coaches, and... And it, sometimes it's frustrating. I, I've always believed when you're not, things aren't going well on the power play to, to shoot the puck towards the net because things happen. There's a tip, there's a block, the goal makes the goalie move. When you're passing around on the outside, sometimes you know you're trying to set up for the right shot, but you, you don't get there. So sometimes you get those uh, those kind of those greasy, dirty goals by just putting it towards the net. But um, we certainly have a a talented group of guys when you put the five best players on our team, skilled guys out there, but, uh, and there's different types of guys, you know, you know, like Wayne Simmons, he goes to the front of the net and he, he causes some havoc. And, uh, and so there's different types of power plays to play too. So I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's just, it's frustrating because you say, why aren't they being able to score? But you got to give the other teams who kill the penalty some, some credit too, because they, they really understand and watch kind of how you set up things, you know, and, you know, we try to get the puck to Matthews, and he can one-time it, but uh, the other teams know that, so they don't give him that opportunity as much. You're, you're talking about this, Daryl, and I'm just I'm picturing Roger Nielsen fighting with the VHS remote or the beta <laughs> remote, just like, rewind, fast forward. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, see, you look at it today, right? Everybody's got the tablets on the bench, and guys can come off a shift and look at exactly what just happened on the ice. It was forward thinking at the time, what did video in the early days, A, were you skeptical right around the time it started? Like, what are we doing here? Because it was new. But but 
how quickly did you realize, if you did, and I'm sure you did, there was a benefit to it? Well, I realized it right away. I was always the type of player. like I, I like coaches who um, made everybody on the team feel accountable, um, made everybody feel their role was as important as the other. But more importantly, Roger, right from the get-go, um, he was gearing for if you ever got to Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Finals, there was no stone left unturned. So he knew who the best face-up guy was on the left side of the ice to right side. He knew who your best um, the defensive players were, all those different things um, and, and the conditioning part of the game. So I love guys like that. So the video added to that, you know, so you, uh, you just, it was, it was new, but it was, uh, it was something that I think most players uh, uh, endeared, so to speak, you know, and, and you say like with the technology you have today, I mean, it's spontaneous. It's right there. You come off the, the ice and it's there where we would have to wait till the next day till they broke it all down and then you sit there and like you say rewind start it up it was sometimes that got a little long and, and annoying but uh but for the most part it was the the, the best thing that uh, he brought into the game for sure what do you miss most about going to games i i, I know i see you in the alumni box i bring my nephews ever once in a while and I, me and scotty made it out to a game a couple years ago I miss the cookies um, as part of the box in the game, but what do you what what what's something you, you miss? I, I know I know you I know your experience of a Leaf game is a lot different than mine. I kind of sit there, hang out, meet a couple people, but you're I see you're there signing autographs probably for five hours throughout the night and going around from box to box. Uh, do you miss it or you like the little bit of a break? No, no, I, I, I miss it. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate. As does Wendell and a few of the other guys at the Leafs have brought us back into the organization and we can help out. We've got a, you know, we do have a great relationship, our, our organization with our alumni, and I know all the alumni guys appreciate that, for what, what Shani and everybody does with us. But, you know, we have a lot of good corporate partners. And I guess one of the things, if you can put a smile on somebody's face or pay it forward, so to speak, with a, a picture, an autograph, uh you know, it's it's nice. It's good. I mean, I go probably to maybe 20 of the 40 games a year. And when I'm down there, um, hey, I, yeah, it, it's a working night, but it's it's all in a positive manner. And uh, fortunate to have that opportunity. You know, and I do miss it. I think, hey, I mean, obviously this is unprecedented times. And, you know, we're going into the playoffs, Leafs Canadian. And, uh, you know, the, the big square down there, Maple Leaf Square, there's nobody in it, so to speak, because of the COVID thing. So it's certainly certainly different that way and it's unfortunate that uh, it, it is like that but uh, we're all going to get through this we're we're on the the good side of it now and uh and we just have to be patient and and, and get through it but it'll be though I'm, I'm sure the audiences on uh on radio and tv will be be huge and large over this series and then the uh, the other part of it is if we get through it which i, I think we we will um the next teams we're playing might be might be edmonton or winnipeg and they're you got some good players too, so there's lots of great hockey to watch for all of us, and I think that's exciting, especially in these these uh, these difficult, challenging times. Uh, Daryl, before we let you go, it's funny. I always frame this by saying I don't like asking people for predictions, and then I go ahead and ask a question that either asks for one directly or or indirectly. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, Toronto, Montreal, but my sense from from our conversation here is that you really like this group. You believe in this group, and you you think that it is poised to break through that that window of winning around and then taking it deep. Is 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 that fair to say? Uh, very fair to say. I mean, I, I believe, uh, 
again and watching management of Kyle Dubas and, and Shani and the coaching staff put this group of guys together, the time is now for them, you know. You bring in a guy like Nick Foligno, Bogosh, and uh, Joel Thornton, and you've got Marner and uh, and uh, Nylander and, uh, you know, Morgan Riley and, and Austin Matthews all kind of in their prime now. Um, it's time to do it. And I think that the, the guys know that, and uh, I think we can. For sure. Thanks so much for your time, Daryl. Always an honor to speak to you, and uh, we'll call on you again. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we're well into the playoffs uh, by the time we next reach out. Okay, I'll be here for you. You Good. bet, Daryl Sittler. Thanks, guys. Oh, I stepped oh, on it. it. That's oh. a, that is bad, uh, Daryl. If you're still there, give us a go. Leafs go, and I'll shut up. He's gone. Oh, let's call him back. Yeah, we got to call him back. This is that's egregious. That I can't gotta, get that moment back. I can't get uh, that moment back. We're gonna, Mr. we're gonna have to Mr. lean Silver on back. Shane Corson, right? We're gonna have to lean on Shane. We, we need on on but- Shane's goal. Silent. Scum. Well, I just I I cued it and silent. Vic's like the buttons not working. <laughs> I had a I technical did, difficulty. Then the technology actually had a technical difficulty. There you go. I I I went on. I went on. <laughs> I did a hit on a Buffalo station a couple weeks ago. And I, I left it? with a go. I left with a go, with a Peters. I, yeah. And I left with a Go Sabers go. And I think he thought I was trolling them, but I was just kind of playing. I hey, I mean, I was in the organization. I I didn't know. I <laughs> didn't know how to close yeah. it out. But Anthony, the they, border they crossing a, guard, <laughs> that was pretty much your salute <laughs> to him, right? Holy yeah. Show. There you go. Is that Shane? Well, we got Shane, Darcy yeah, in there Shane. somewhere, don't we? Oh, uh, well, yeah, it's like, so screw it. off. Stop yeah, asking. Got to go through all this. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, uh, it's, it's, we, we can find the Mr. Sittler goalie school. That'd be funny. Get him to record one of those. Absolutely destroyed it. Absolutely destroyed it. Something to chew on for great Canadian meat. Here are the uh, playoff matchups. We know it's the Leafs and the Habs. We know it's Edmonton and Winnipeg in the North out West. You got the Vegas Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues, and you got Colorado and Minnesota. In the mm. East, uh, Pittsburgh and the Nye Islanders, Washington and Boston. So Zdeno Char against his old team. Carolina, Nashville in the Central, and Tampa Bay versus the Panthers. Florida, we love Florida. I think the Panthers are going to knock off. Ooh. The lightning. Well, what we I know, just, what we know is them go good, head to head. What we know is a good team is going out in oh, the first yeah. round out of that series. And then the whole thing for me is the Vegas Colorado. I think they're. I mean, if I have to go for favorites, and one of them's not going to make it to you know a conference final, right? They're gonna one of them's good. They're gonna meet in the second round, and I just think they're two of the best teams. If you want to look across the league. Um and that's one of those situations where as much as you like to set up, that's kind of a conference final you'd like to to see. Obviously, you never know what happens with seed and stuff, but those are those are two of the teams you want to watch in, in a Western Conference final, right? And one of them is not going to make it into the third round. We'll do our predictions next week, but I am mm-hmm. I, I'm leaning. I'm leaning toward a final four of Toronto. Vegas, Washington, and Florida. Mm-hmm. I should be. Very I don't know. Somebody might say, "Give Carolina some love," but I. Florida's I, got a little bit of everything. They, their goaltending's uh, coming around. They're tough now. 
like not tough to play against. Like they're actually tough. Do you, like them and, and, and Tampa Bay absolutely just got into it this past week. Joel Quenville. It, I mean, you give that guy a couple of years to get it figured out. It felt like last year too, pre-pandemic. Sergey Bobrovsky was so bad, so bad in his first year with the Panthers, and and he hasn't taken on a lot of the workload. Like he's he's not taken on a number one goaltender's workload. They've they've split it there with Drager, but it's 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 worked for them. It's worked for them so far this year, and kind of cool to have that hate. Uh, across the across the state between the Panthers and and the Lightning, no question about it. Uh, Connor McDavid with another multi point night last night. Austin Matthews scoring a game tying goal late in the third period, his forty first of the season. Jack Campbell, we presume, will get the starting goal for the Maple Leafs tomorrow night in their season finale. What did we make of Frederick Anderson's performance last night? Ziggy says, "Look, you can't knock him for any of the goals." There may have been a get me a save or two in there. I've been called a hypocrite on the text line this morning because I was a big Freddie backer. I don't know if my, I don't think my opinions changed at all. Not on Freddie. My opinion on Jack mm-hmm. has changed. I keep coming back. 11 and 0 was beautiful. That's a great start. Man set the single season record for most wins out of the gate. I like it. But he took a dip and then he bounced back. The thing with backup Ziggy is that they tend to take dips and those dips last too long or you never mm-hmm. come out of them. And that's why you're a backup. That's why you're not somebody who's counted on for 55 to 60, 65 games in a normal length season. Jack Campbell bounced back. That was the difference maker for me. He faced adversity. He overcame it. Yeah, and you just, it's, it's hard to imagine a guy like Jack Campbell in the playoffs, right? We're like, we're all trying to predict what are we going to get out of him, right? And no one's, I mean, we're not going to know until the puck drops. For me, the game one is, will tell a lot. I think if it doesn't go the Leafs way, it, I think, I think Campbell will start second guessing himself. I think we'll all start second guessing him. <laughs> and if you're the Canadians, like you take home ice away from the Leafs. I just, I, I think it's, it's the pressure is always on the home team. I always say that everyone's like, well, you want home ice. The pressure is always on the home team. If you're a visiting team, the first two games, you can get a win. It changes everything. And I think like you said, game one matters more than game two. If Montreal ties it up and they go back fine. But if they can steal the first, imagine the pressure on the Leafs in two. And with Campbell and net, we don't we don't know, right? Because, like, I mean, who on this team has had playoff success? Thornton, like, who do you want? Who do you want to go to? Muzzin, um, Foligno's looked good in Columbus. Spezza uh, back Bogo- in his Bogosian, days. Yeah, but that's been a long, a long time, time ago. Bogosian won, but he's not in the lineup. It's there. There's not the playoff success you want to be confident that this team's going to go the whole way. I I think it's a great makeup. I know with injuries right now, it could be an issue. And obviously in net, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. And, and I just think with Anderson and, and, and Campbell, we're going to see both of them for sure. We might see three if they go deep, but for sure, two of them. I think when I say this, I'm thinking of fans actually being in the stands. I don't know what it is, but through all the years of watching the Leafs and Habs, I have always liked it better when the Leafs are on the road. And I think that that's because it's effectively a 50-50 crowd or a 60-40 home to road 
crowd. So it feels like you got a traveling troupe when you go to Montreal, whereas mm-hmm. it's like your home rink is being invaded by Habs fans when, when they come here. Should be fascinating. Leafs, of course, will have home ice advantage. A WNBA tip-off 2021 presented by Tangerine begins Friday night on Sportsnet 1, and we're giving away WNBA orange hoodies to celebrate. Text ORANGE to 59590 right now for your chance to win one of five available hoodies. You can also enter on our Instagram at Sportsnet 590 or on our website, sportsnet.ca slash 590. And that is also the website where you can find full contest details. Born in Stewie on Anderson's performance. Jack should start tomorrow night, right? And we'll begin to talk Leafs and Habs. It's Hockey Central coming up. Request some 41, Austin Matthews 41 goals. Piece that all together. Uh, that's original. <laughs> that's probably the best reaction. Oh, that's good. Someone Stewie and Bourne. Yesterday about 1979. Who stole that idea? <laughs> Who stole the most obvious idea in the history of ideas? I have to run through that list. We were getting text and tweet requests. And I also came up with it myself. So there was a lot. There was an, a lot of 1979. I mean, you can never go wrong with the pumpkins, Stewie. You know that. No. Uh, no. Stewie and Bourne here. He probably for... was on his. Go ahead. So he was probably mm-hmm, doing yeah. yoga and he thought of that. But uh, let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's <laughs> no, go. Guys. No, no, not yoga. Pilates. Depends yeah, I on do Pilates now. Pilates yeah. North. Yeah. I have no idea what <laughs> Pilates come, is. But... You got to come for a session sometime, Stewie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll see you there. Yeah. I'll see you there. I'm on my way now. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Uh, Stewie and Bourne for Hockey Central at 8.30 here on uh, leadoff as they are each and every Thursday. All right. Uh, Borny, we'll start with you. Stewie, jump in. I, I, I thought Frederick Anderson was okay last night. Uh, I, I don't know... As Ziggy and I have discussed what was reasonably expected, but but I can tell you this. I mean, Jack Campbell is this team's starting goaltender. If anybody out there, and I don't imagine there were many left, but if anybody out there wondered about that, I don't think Frederick Anderson did anything last night to change minds. No, no, certainly not. Man, he just looks... Uh... I don't know, a little discombobulated, a little bit out of sorts, not quite like himself. Like his thing that, you know, when he's playing his best, I think he'd be known for is quiet, composed, not much happening. And all of a sudden, like, you know, last night, a couple goals were unlucky, sure. But like he's swimming in the crease out there. It just, it didn't look comfortable to me. And, you know, I, I had created a scenario earlier in the week in our show where I was like, what if Freddie comes in, you know, pitches a shutout, you know, would it make you think twice? And people were still like unanimously no. So a performance like that, I got to say, I saw more things last night on my Twitter feed, people saying the question is, should Freddie back up or Dave back up? Not who should start. Yeah, well, I don't know what the people expected. They expect, uh, you know, the Mighty Ducks where Julie the Cat came in relief of Goldberg. Like, I don't know what. He's been off, on the shelf now. For, <laughs> <laughs> he's been on the shelf now for about two months. And I think for him, the, the the main goal of last night's game was just to stay healthy. Yeah, there was a couple goals that I think were, you know, maybe questionable. But I think it was the timing 
the timing of the goals and the timing of the saves. And the one thing that I, my barometer last night was that third period, you know, it's the first shift of the game. Toronto comes out flat. Uh, there's a breakdown. And, you know, that goal, that, that uh, the shot that Stutzla took, that could have easily went in, but he made that save. And the timing of the save, that's what uh, is most important for me for that start last night, too. So, uh, did he have an amazing start? No. But at this point of where he's at, I know we're going into a playoff series here, uh, but you don't need spectacular right now. And it's part of the growing pains of getting him back to 100% when they need him. Yeah, I, I wasn't, that's kind of what I expected out of him. I didn't, he, he wasn't going to go and pitch a shutout. I don't know. I just, he was going to let it the odd goal. And I was kind of concerned about the Senators and how well they've been playing. And the Leafs were flat and I didn't see anything out of them. Like that was, it was no. not a great game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But Borny, from what you saw out of Freddie, are you now, um, are you okay with him going in at all in the playoffs? Like, from how bad, like you think he, not how bad you think he was, but the fact that he was swimming in net and looking behind him, are you, like, do you want him in net? Say Campbell stumbles at all, a game yeah. three that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I feel like he's in a position now where he, expectations are so low that it's almost like he, he can come in and have success. Like there's nothing to lose. Like if Campbell's the guy and it's become unanimously decided, it seems like that Campbell's going to be the guy. And he struggles for a couple of games. Like, you know, Leafs, the pressure in Leafs Nation is going to go through the roof. They're down two games to one to the Canadians. You know, it's a back-to-back, and Campbell's just played bad. Like, Freddie goes in. He has the chance to go in, be solid, restabilize this team. And not to mention, that gives him more time to get healthy and get his feet back under him, more practices and all that. So I like the position he's in. I think he will play, and I think he'll be effective when he gets his chance. So I'm not as worried about him as I mentioned the people I I saw on Twitter last night. But, you know... I would have liked to see to see him feel, look a little bit more composed last night, but I'm still not worried about him in the big picture. Yeah, if this team's going to go on the run and, and play, you know, 2025 20, games, you're most likely going to see Freddie Anderson. So you don't really need like last year or years past. You don't need spectacular. You don't need him standing on his head playing 9:35 hockey. He comes in and you know does his 9:05, 9:10. I think he will be fine. So, uh, but let's not take away from the fact that Jack Campbell he's earned the start. You know he's 17-2 and two this year. He's earned the start too. So as opposed to uh, detracting Freddie in his performance, let's you know be comfortable in talking about Jack Campbell and supporting him until he loses the job because he's. Definitely earned it. So I think with the the narrative needs to be, hey, Jack Campbell earned the crease. Let him run with it, and then we'll address Freddie when the time is right. With Stewie, or not with Stewie and Bourne on leadoff Sportsnet five ninety, the fans. So I, I mean, I think it's fair to say uh, we know who the game one starter is going to be, Jack Campbell. But I think it's fair to say there are potential questions related to the Maple Leafs goaltending. We know that there are questions related to the Habs goaltending. Is Carey Price healthy enough to play? And if so, how does he play? Or could this be Jake Allen's net? Mike Smith has been fantastic for the Oilers uh, out there in Edmonton. So I would say that that is relatively solidified. But I think a, a stinker from Mike Smith could lead to some questions there. And then you've got Connor Hellebuck, who if he's not standing on his head, the Winnipeg Jets are essentially nothing. And they've lost, what, 9 of 10, 10 of their last 11 games, tripping their way into the playoffs here, there are goaltending questions all around. What I wonder, Stewie, starting with you is we've seen a fundamental change in how goalie, uh, how goalies are approached in the regular season. 
Gone are the Grant Fuhrer playing 79 games for the St. Louis Blues in the mid-1990s on that Mike Keenan team. That's never happening again. Guys play 55 to 60 games, and the 1A or the backup gets the other 30 or however many uh, there are. Are we seeing a fundamental shift in the way goaltenders are going to be used in the playoffs? And by that, I mean keeping them fresh. Sure, you ride the hot hand, but you're quicker to pivot if that guy you're going with struggles. Yeah, I think that's the formula right now. You sort of need that two-headed monster in net, and I think Carolina's got three goaltenders. You saw Florida this year with Bobrovsky and and Dreger. You know, you saw Islanders playing two guys at the you know at the same time here too. So that is going to be the formula because um, you know every game is so crucial, and if you go down. Uh, one or two games in a series, you have to do something to try to spark a comeback, and you can't just rest on your laurels. And I think that just shows the power of the position over the last couple of years now, where you can have two guys, three guys in your system that can step in and do the job. The wild thing with goaltending is like, you know, you talk about a guy playing 79 games. No disrespect. To, well, there's some disrespect coming. Do you remember how bad backup goalies were in the 80s? Like, there were some teams that, like, some of these guys that went in there, like, are his pads on the right way? What is it? Has he done this before? What is going on? So it used to be out of necessity that there were, like, legitimate starters, maybe 20 of them in the world, and that the drop-off was huge. Now there's probably, you know, the elite... 5'10 goalies, there's a great 30 goalies or whatever, but there's probably 100 goalies that can play in the NHL right now, you know, and, and be reasonably decent, uh, hold their own to a certain level. So uh, I think it's just a matter of, you know, now you trust that your backup can do it. You know, the drop-off is, isn't you're not going to go from 915 to 815, you're going to go from 915 to 905 a lot of the time. So... Uh, the Leafs are certainly in that position where you feel comfortable about, about both guys. And, you know, we've seen the Bruins going runs with Halak and Rask. And we've seen, you know, the Blues handed off to uh, to Bennington. And um, I think it was Allen when he was there. So they, there's been a number of people who've, uh, who've done the tandem thing and had success. So it's certainly not unprecedented. And we don't know the schedule, right, if there's going to be back-to-backs. I know you kind of mentioned it, Borny, but is, is that something that you would you'd feel comfortable doing? Or maybe you'd have to do if you play three and four, or you have a back-to-back situation. Are are you going to go with the same guy two nights in a row? I, th- I think it's because we don't know, right, what the what the Leafs' schedule is going to look like. I think it's just like Jack Campbell has never been a heavy workload goalie in his career to date. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. he can't do it. He's just never done it. I don't know that you want to roll that dice in playoffs. And since you do have a guy that you know has had success in the past in Anderson, definitely those will be the windows where they're looking to get Freddie back in. I think Leafs fans should hope that's the first time they see Freddie. If the first time they see Freddie is in game four and the tail end of a back-to-back, they have had success and things are going well. All right, guys, let's play. We'll a ga- go ahead. Go ahead. No, Stewie. go ahead. Go ahead. No, because I'm changing. I'm changing the. Stewie, I'm changing didn't, the didn't, topic. Want, didn't want to let you. Say I was gonna. Say, I was gonna Stewie. take my my uh, perennial shot at Ziggy here, and I was gonna say goaltenders that do yoga just like Ziggy does every day too. So I don't know where the narrative is. Like a goalie can't play two, three games in a row. The game has definitely changed, Ziggy. Stewie, I've had are a. Really, what, are you are you finding out what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to make a comeback in net. Is that is that should I stop? Like <laughs> Stewie, I've had a really bad hour. I walked all over a Daryl Sittler go Leafs go, and I walked all over you wanting to take your weekly pot shot at Ziggy. It's not been daily. It's well (laughs) weekly on this show. Yeah. (laughs) The Twitter act. The Twitter act's a different thing. Um, Let's let's play a game here uh, guys called Do You Think I'm High? 
and and <laughs> and I'm going to give you my final four, and you tell me if I'm sober or not. I got the Leafs, the Golden Knights, the Capitals, and the Panthers in the final four. How comfortable are you with that grouping? 0.00, I think, on the, the blood alcohol content. You're sober. It's totally a coherent take. The Florida Panthers are uh, are better than they've ever been. The Tampa Bay Lightning are faltering a little. Certainly, you know, it's a toss-up with Carolina and Florida. But other than that, I thought the, the rest of that sounds pretty rock solid to me. I like Colorado more than Vegas uh, myself, but I like the Leafs too. And Washington's a good, as good a bet as any from the East, so I think you're sober. Yeah, you're halfway high there too. You're uh, contact high, so we'll go. <laughs> Stay. Off I like Toronto. The weed. <laughs> I like Colorado. Uh, I don't know how everyone's discounting the Tampa Bay Lightning defending uh, Stanley Cup champions and the New York Islanders. Uh, Justin, I think they're going to take your uh, your press pass away from the Islanders. There, your honorary badge uh, for discounting the Islanders. Well, I mean that, and maybe so, Stewie. But Borny's been showing up at the wrong rink. I mean, he's a He's at Barclays when they're at Nassau. I know they're not at Barclays. He's at Nassau when they're at Barclays. I'm sitting at Belmont till they're at Belmont. I don't yeah. want to go anywhere else. He's watching the horses eat hay at Belmont while they're waiting for the construction to start. I mean, it's just a scene. Just an it's absolute scene. It's a mess. But, no, I, I actually think the Islanders are going to give Pittsburgh a tough time. But, man, the Penguins have looked good down the stretch. So I'm not uh, – I don't want to publicly pick against the Islanders, but <clears throat> maybe I am. The Penguins are my dark, my dark horse. There, I I have a feeling if Sid gets going here, it's been a kind of a no one's really talked about him. Malkin comes back from injury. They're like, I, I you can't say an underdog to win it because it's Crosby and Malkin, but right. they're they're definitely one team to look out I for. I think I think everyone's just uh, afraid of Berkey, thinking that he's going to tell you to quit clowning around. So I think that's what it is. <laughs> it's on the Berkey factor. With it's Pittsburgh. on. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. On on a scale of one to ten, now that David Quinn and maybe it was already a ten, but now that David Quinn has been fired by his good friend Chris Drury, which makes you wonder if it was Drury's call. On a scale of one to ten, one being not at all, ten being absolutely, what is what is the number you'd put the level of mess at in 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 the New York Rangers culture right now, the franchise? And by mess, I don't mean Messier. I just mean, how big a mess is this? I think this is, you know, what's, I'm going to give it a five because Buffalo's nearby and oh my God, Buffalo. Like you can't look at Buffalo for Nobody context. Nobody wants and, to play there. Reinhardt, <laughs> Ristolainen and are like, see ya pretty much. Bye. Yeah, no, I know. So you can't even say it's halfway the type of raging inferno that the Sabres are dealing with. You know, they may be fine. They have tons of great players, tons of salary cap space chance to hire a new coach here who you know I thought David Quinn was good but there, there's other good coaches out there so you know the biggest thing is just do you want your owner making the decision of the culture of your team like what does James Dolan know about what's going on in the, in the Rangers dressing room absolutely nothing so it's a mess because you have that owner but I don't think they're in such a bad spot I'm giving him a five yeah, I say a four because they're still an attractive place to, to play for a free agency. They can still draw players. They got Panarin. They got some good goaltenders in Shesterkin and Georgiev, too. Future is bright. Good young talent. So compared to the other teams in the league and the quality of coaches that are available, I give it a four out of ten. I love I loved Kevin Adams in Buffalo. And what the hell else is he going to say? But he's saying, I can't, I'm, I'm excited to build around the young players who want to be here. And my first thought was, if I'm on an entry-level contract, what else am I going to say? Yeah. yeah. I don't have rights yet, more or yeah. less, right? And I don't have the leverage 
in any sense to to get my butt out of town. But uh, we'll we'll touch on the Sabers another day. Always fun, boys. Thanks for doing this. We'll chat next week, and who knows? Maybe game one will be in the books, or maybe we'll be teeing up game one Leafs and the Habs next Thursday night. Thanks, Thanks guys. Fellas. Stewie and Bourne, Hockey Central at eight thirty each and every Thursday here on leadoff. Elliot Friedman will be among our guests tomorrow. We'll be teeing up the final... He was back last week, but he'll be back again. (laughs) He'll be back again as long as he doesn't call in sick. Uh, Fridge at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. We're back at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning for your Friday. We'll tee up the Leafs and Jets, the regular season finale. Good shows coming up. Enjoy a sunny and beautiful Thursday. Go get drunk.